0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Screen Geeks Radio, episode 153. This is Dave. This is Barry. And Ethan is still waiting in line, I think, to go see Super 8. I, apparently, that, that theater was just packed out. I don't know. Good luck, Ethan. Yeah. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking... We, we had a really cool idea, but, but since Ethan isn't here this week, we're going to wait until we come back from our little hiatus to discuss it, and it's going to be such a fun episode. So you're definitely not going to want to miss the next one, but this one's going to be good, too. Yes. This. Uh, what, what were you calling it? Useless, Useless? franchises. Useless franchises. That's fair. And we're not talking
1: about like Kenny Rogers Roasters or like Hardee's. No, we're talking about film franchises. Wow. There you go. Uh, Before we get into all that stuff, let's talk about what we watched this week. What, What have you been watching, sir? Uh, quite a bit I'll try not to ramble on too long or longer than usual Um, I wish Ethan was here to talk to me about this and I hope I could uh, touch upon this with him later on I did finally get to see Sofia Coppola somewhere and Mm -hmm. I agree with him I think it's one of last year's best films Uh, I I don't understand the animosity towards this movie I really don't I think it's a I think it's clearly the work of a genius I really do Um, I was deeply moved by this film and I've not been able to stop thinking about it Um, Elle Fanning as good as she is in Super Ray, she's extraordinary in this film as well Um, cool yeah so I, I highly recommend somewhere Really, okay. Love that film. It's in
0: the Netflix queue, so hopefully, I'll have it
1: seen it by the time we come back. Very good. One that you recommended, and thank you for recommending, Dave. Faster, I love Faster. Such a good movie! It's a great movie. Um, The Rock, I mean, for me, it's all about Dwayne Johnson's performance. I mean, it As is intense, driver. it is wink free, <laughs> it is uh, completely quiet. Um, I thought he was excellent. I mean, this is a I mean, if, if we need an indication that this guy can act, I think this movie really gives it. I thought he was terrific. Um, it's kind of like a big souped up B movie and a real uh, kind of a moral question too, towards the end of uh, whether someone can really be redeemed whether someone could really find redemption or not
0: did, did you like the the kind of, did you see the, the kind of correlation between the Korean Vengeance movies questioning whether it's sure,
1: sure absolutely yeah. no and, and it got very uh, very religious towards the end in a, in, a, in a very symbolic I think kind of way but great great performances I mean you got Tom Berenger Kylie Gugino uh, Billy Bob Thornton Moon Bloodgut. I thought everybody was great absolutely very impressive movie so thank you for recommending that one um, one of the worst movies I've ever seen I'll just throw it out just because I want to warn as many people about this film it's on netflix queue and it's one of these titles that you know i don't even know why i gave it a chance but going ape it's with tony danza uh danny devito and a bunch of orangutans and it's from the writer director of everything every which way you can um Really, one of the worst films I think I've ever seen in my entire life. It's just uh, ninety minutes of unfunny, but uh, it's the kind of movie that that, that like it's a, one of these animal movies that Disney could have done so well, but it's just a disaster, disaster. So never see going ape, listeners. Please, um, a film unfinished, really startling documentary about. I
0: keep wanting to see that. That's one about the the Nazi yeah. film, right? Yeah,
1: it's a it's found footage. It's a found footage movie, and it's it's and it's the real deal. Uh, this bunker they discovered this this lost Nazi footage, and it's basically from this film that the nazis are trying to make this propaganda film showing that the jews are actually really well treated um it's horrific stuff it really is uh initially it begins with a lot of shots of people walking down the street and you're going okay this is this isn't so bad well it it just gets worse and worse and worse it's really horrifying stuff definitely nightmare fodder right there um larry cohen's black caesar starring fred the hammer williamson terrific exploitation (laughs) film great action movie it's got a great song score on it by james brown Just amazing film um, Metro, an underrated film that, that Eddie Murphy did. I like okay. Metro. Okay. It's the one he did right after the night professor. And it's actually a really gritty action movie. The plot is totally formula one, completely predictable story, but the action sequences are great. It's got a great San Francisco chase scene and Murphy is excellent. And he's matched by Michael Wincott, who is also just awesome, a great villain. So it's like, it's got a lot of good stuff going for it. Um, my science project, um, the other 1985 science-themed teen comedy. So it's, this is like weird science, except it's not funny or sexy. The special effects are great, and it's got Dennis Hopper as a stoned-out teacher, but this is a really bad film. It's one of the earlier Touchstone movies. Um, almost done here. Uh, I just to prove that I don't only just watch the art, I saw Chopping Mall. Um, Jim Winorski's <laughs> Chopping Mall. Nice. Uh, starring, well, among other people, uh, Dick Miller as the disgruntled uh, uh, janitor. Um, Chopping Mall delivers it is the original title of it was kill Bots. so it's basically about these these robots that are the security guards they go haywire and they start to kill everybody at the mall um i'll tell you what dave like i got a soft spot for any movie with robots that have lasers that shoot out of their eyes
0: nice so
1: shopping mall it's it's bad but it's a b movie and it's a lot of is fun. that on watch instantly too or it, it actually is not no i actually had okay. to track this one down but yeah okay. definitely check out shopping mall it's good stuff um saw takashi miike's uh, 13 assassins which i thought was very good um Ethan has mentioned that uh, there's some other Miike films that he thought were especially kind of slow and dull and 13 Assassins has a real it has a hard time getting started okay It, uh, it has a series of scenes at the very beginning of the movie that are gratuitous which you'd expect from him um Mikkei is trying to set the stage and let us know that the villain of this piece is really nasty and disgusting. And he does in one scene that's just perfect. Like, okay, this guy is vile. He's sick. He's a pervert. He's just this war crazy psychopath. Well, then Mickey shows us, I think, three more scenes. It's like, okay, we get it. We get it. This guy's a <laughs> sicko. You know, but like, mickey has got to keep pushing the envelope. Um, what works is that. Mikay finally made this movie, made a movie that that's just really big in scope, and it's so large-scale, and it's really beautiful. I mean, I guess if you make three movies a year, it's inevitable that you're eventually going to make something like this. It's all about the action, and the last hour of this film is really extraordinary I mean it's as good as you've heard it is blood soaked it is action packed it is jaw dropping it's really amazing so I definitely recommend it I think my only problem with the movie in addition to it being not as good as The Seven Seven Samurai which is clearly meant to be a remake of Mm -hmm. the characterizations aren't as strong and the movie is nowhere near as funny as The Seven Samurai Okay. but apparently the version of it that I saw in the theater was 19 minutes shorter than the Japanese version so I really do wonder if there's a lot missing because I felt I really didn't get to know these characters
0: what we have is the international cut Okay. No one outside of Japan has seen... If you haven't seen it in Japan, you have not seen the, the Japanese cut, which okay. is kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, because I would like to see those. whatever those 19 minutes are. Because I really felt like... I mean, the characters are clearly engaging, but I didn't really get to know them all that well. Fair so. enough. Interesting. Uh, uh, last two, uh, Woody Allen's Midnight in Paris, which is very good. I don't think it's up to Vicky Cristina Barcelona or Matchpoint, but it's definitely one of the better recent Woody Allen films. Owen Wilson is a real surprise in this movie. He really underplays it, and it's a great comic performance. He's very funny. The time travel aspect of the story is very underplayed. There's really no logic to it at all. It's more of just kind of a fantasy and fairy tale. The problem with the movie... It's not so much a criticism as is an as it is an observation. It's a movie very much all the jokes are about European history. So if you don't know who Salvador Dali is, you're not gonna understand why Adrian Brody's performance is so funny. If you don't know Ernest Hemingway or Louis Buñuel, there's a lot of jokes that are all about them. And if you don't really know like your, your French history or your literature, you might be a little lost. And he, and there and you know, no question, there are even some jokes that I was like I don't get it, you know, because it's it's, a very, it's one of his most intellectual films. What works about the movie, it's about nostalgia, about how if we can go back in time to the period that we feel the most comfortable with, the period that we love the most, it wouldn't be as good as we remember. Because nostalgia is, is not as good as we remember. That's what Woody mm-hmm. Allen's saying. And it's a really nice idea. The film doesn't feel completely finished. It feels like there's a lot at the end he still had to say and that the movie still... It just feels like it wraps up a little too quickly. That's it. It's a very good movie. It's very funny. And then finally, I get to finally talk about The Tree of Life. And of course, now that I finally get to talk about it, I really don't have anything to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> everyone else has said it? Well, everyone else has said it, and it, you know, it's just been such a buildup to it finally opening up in Denver. Um, and I think the film is a gigantic masterpiece. I think it's one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had in a movie theater. And I think a lot of people have the same experience. And I recommend even people who are on the fence about or apprehensive about seeing a completely pretentious art movie should go see it because it is one of those experiences you will never forget. And you'll and see with a bunch of people and, you know, it'll be one of these experiences you'll just be talking about forever and ever. I, I love The Tree of Life. I mean, without a doubt, I mean, it towers, I think, over every other movie that came out this year so far, which isn't saying much, though. Cause it hasn't, okay. been, hasn't really been the greatest year.
0: Wow, all right. I, one thing, I've, I've read some of the reviews. I haven't gone nuts on the reviews because I really want to ha- have the experience for myself. Good, good. But what I've, the thing that I've taken away is that everyone has said that essentially it's a very personal film and the film is going to connect with you on a personal level in a different way. Yes. Every person's going to have a unique experience with this movie, which is very interesting.
1: Yeah, and I think it, one of the things, it comes down to Brad Pitt's character. Um, I think he's one of the great movie dads in film. I really think okay. he's one of the great dads. There's going to be a lot of people that disagree with it. You do see him as a very flawed man. You see him him uh, get occasionally get very rough with his kids and not only is it period correct because you know it's a very different time the 1950s that his characters end in a very different uh, kind of following his best sort of mentality Um, but I love his character I love his performance but that's been one sticking point that people go like is he a good dad or is he an abusive dad or is he just a you know like is he just being a little over overprotective or oversensitive or you know, there's a lot of because the movie doesn't hold your hand through any of this it doesn't hold your hand through how you're supposed to feel about any of it so after like 10 minutes this is not a spoiler after 10 minutes of you know kind of establishing the o'brien family brad pitt and jessica chastain you know there's that 20 minute sequence with no dialogue just music showing the creation of the universe with the big bang and and uh, dinosaurs and everything and it's this extraordinary sequence where there's music but there's no dialogue and i suspect that that'll be probably the point where a lot of people will walk out because they'll be like, I don't get it. What is this? I'm going to text my friends. I don't understand what's going on. It's like
0: when I went to the cinema to see The Fountain and exactly. people walked
1: out, what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's a similar thing because, I mean, that, that's a yet another personal movie and it does not hold your hand and it does not explain itself. And a lot of uh, The Tree of Life is very symbolic. I mean, I've not been able to forget there's one scene with Jessica, Ta- uh, Jessica Chastain playing Mrs. O'Brien. There's a sequence where the son is imagining his mother and she's like floating. She's like flying through the air past a tree. It's beautiful. I don't know what the heck it meant. And it, it has no context in the narrative, and in the little narrative, but it means so much in terms of how this boy saw his mother. There's a lot of moments like that in the movie. Interesting. And you just have to, you just have to go with it. Just, just keep your mouth shut, watch it, and sit as close to the screen as you can and just let the movie wa- you know kind of wash over you like a wave interesting it's an amazing okay. film it really is we just got it in denver it's playing uh on uh, at the esquire one of the most biggest, beautiful screens we've got. It's also playing on the other screen at the Esquire, which is one of the smallest screens in America. <laughs> so it's kind of funny, like like uh, they even show, say in the papers like the upstairs theater is this this time and the downstairs theater is this time. And I'm thinking, well, anybody who knows the Esquire is gonna want to go to the downstairs theater, because the upstairs theater is like watching it at home or like watching it on your Blackberry, you know. It's okay. Is, it's just too small a screen. But the Esquire does have one of the biggest screens in Colorado, so it's really oh, the place man, to see. And the
0: Cars 2 screening is next Saturday morning. That could be an interesting I mean, just may as well make a, be a double great, feature of it. That'd be
1: great feature, yeah, yeah. And we get, uh, and of course, we get Tree of Life at, the, at our Kimball's Theater over here in a couple of weeks. And our renovated, no, now better smelling <laughs> theater. But that is a pretty big screen, though, to see it It is. It is. As long as they get the projection right, that's really all that...
0: they yes. So have they renovated the seats and everything, too, or...?
1: Uh, and the Kimballs? Yeah. Yes. Ooh, good. And yeah, Not only they've been renovated, but they also have this thing now where you could like purchase. You know the thing where you could actually purchase a seat, like for a certain amount of money as a donation. They'll put your name on the seat on uh, a plaque, and all you have to do is call ahead and be like, "I want my seat." They'll be like, "Yes, Dave, we'll we'll have your seat ready for you." Huh. That could be interesting. Yeah. Okay. Huh. So there you go.
0: All right. That's that. that so that's all the stuff okay. I've been seeing. What have you been seeing? Um. Well, I'll start off with TV. We started off. Uh, we we've restarted Supernatural just because we the last season's finished. It kind of went out on a whimper. Um, mm. Just kind of a head scratcher of an ending. Wasn't very happy with it. Yeah. But we decided, you know, let's start it over. Because I've got seasons one, three, four, and five on Blu-ray. Uh, two is coming out, I think, next week or this week or something. And it's interesting. We watched the pilot, and the acting between the two leads uh, is really uneven. Mm. I'll, I'll just put it that way. It's, it's, it's borderline what you expect from a CW TV show. But here's the kicker. The rest of the show is incredibly solid. It is a solid tension building horror film for an hour. Wow. and it's it shows that they knew what they were doing from the beginning. And we watched the second episode as well. And it's very clear that in the first episode, Jared and Jared Packy and Jensen Eccles just really didn't have the the biggest grasp on their character because as soon as you hit that second character, it's, okay, these are the characters that we know. So it, we're looking forward to keeping on digging through it. I think if you're going to watch it, watch the pilot because you need the setup. But know that the acting isn't representative of the whole show. Okay. Because starting in the second episode, it just start, it really it goes up by leaps and bounds, and suddenly they're they're inhabiting these characters and know who they are. So it's a really good show. I really enjoy it. Um, I think it's worth checking out, especially if you like horror. If you want to see a horror movie every week, it's the the first season is very much monster of the week. But they come back to it later in episode, in later episodes and in later seasons, saying, Hey, remember when we did this? This is what the significance was. So it's very interesting. The first season is a lot of ground laying. Um, we also started Deadwood. <laughs> that is the oddest show ever because mm-hmm. it is full of <laughs> sucking mothering sons of. <laughs> this movie has so much profanity in it. Holy crap. <laughs> It's one of the most
1: profane shows I've ever seen. I saw one episode. It's, it's Timothy, Timothy Oliphant, right? Yes, that's and, and what we uh, watched. It. We're Shane. like... Yeah, it's... Uh, no question. The The period detail is good. The acting is great. But my gosh, those guys. Those cowboys have potty mouths.
0: And apparently, But here's the interesting thing is uh, I did a little research on it. I have one of my the guys who I work with uh, really highly recommended it. He said, yes, there's a lot of swearing. But you go back and look at the records and the accounts of that time period... And it's true to the period. Okay, maybe they said dad gummit or whatever, but in <laughs> once that once or twice, in that in that in that context, it was the equivalent of dropping as many f bombs and other c words and other things that they say in this in this show. And apparently, after the first like three or four episodes, it drops off pretty significantly. Hmm. But I, the the characterizations are fantastic so far. It's kind of odd seeing uh, Timothy Oliphant playing a U.S. Marshal again. <laughs> Because yeah. uh, we finished the first season of Justified, which is outstanding show. Uh, if you want to borrow it, I, I will be happy to lend it to you. Because it is outstanding. And then we watched. I watched one movie this week. It's on video on demand, pay per view, whatever you can get it. John Carpenter's The Ward. And I've been scared to watch this movie, honestly, after seeing what happened with My Soul to Take, uh, with Burke and Hare, with you know these these yeah established '80s and '70s horror filmmakers. These comeback movies. Yeah, I was scared, and you know, I'm not going to say that the word is amazing, but it's solid. Uh, it's definitely a Carpenter film. It has the feel through the whole thing. He got someone else to compose it, but the opening theme has that under underlying keyboard bass line that just screams John Carpenter. The film relies way too much on jump scares. That's my one real qualm with it. Amber Heard is actually really solid in the film. She she does great in it. I, I'm going to compare it to another movie, however. I think that there, there, someone should make another show. We had Showtime doing the Masters of Horror, and that's great and all, but we need to have like the filmmaker face off. Because if if the first film was five girls are stuck in an insane asylum and need to escape, on one end you have um, Zack Snyder making Sucker Pension, and on the other end you have John Carpenter making The Ward, which honestly, they they had pretty much the same jumping-off point in many ways. Uh, and they go entirely different directions, whereas Sucker Punch is essentially a series of glorified music videos. This film has a real story behind it. It really tries to take itself seriously. I- I'm not going to give away the ending. I'm not even going to refer to the movie that the ending is very related to because it would be a massive spoiler. It's a, it's an inventive ending, but it's been done before. And unfortunately, I think the way that they did it make, makes this a one-time watch. Mm. You don't need to go out and buy it or anything like that. They, the nice thing is they do drop enough hints throughout the movie that at the end, instead of saying, hey, remember when we did this and we did this and we did this, they just had audio cues from different scenes in the film, which brought it all together in a heartbeat. Uh, it was it was well done. It's not Carpenter's best film by a long shot, but it's decent. I think it's worth watching. It doesn't have its release like in, a, in a couple of weeks or something like that theatrically. July
1: the 8th, yes. And then I think it hits DVD like in August. Mm-hmm that's kind of crazy well you know I was talking to Greg about this last night Um, this whole video on demand thing of it being available I mean this is a a topic unto itself so forgive me I just want to just throw this out here but don't you think that's really undercutting it's box office potential because this is such a cult film to begin with it is and there's going to be such a cult audience that wants to see the new John Carpenter film isn't this undermining because as you've said this is one of these movies that you know it's not a Carpenter classic you're going to want to see it at least once if just once I mean as opposed to would be one of these things where word of mouth is going to kick in, I mean, don't you think like most people are going to see it on VOD, and then you know next month it's going to be me and like Cody at the theater.
0: I, oh man, there are two sides to this because it's only they haven't said how limited the release is going to be in July, so it could be New York and LA, and that's it. Hmm. That could be all they could have gotten the distribution for. I think this could be a, a an example of a film that couldn't get wide theatrical distribution, and they looked at using video on demand as an alternate revenue source. Because if it costs, you know, 10 bucks or whatever to, to get the video on demand, you know, that's, that's more money than you're going to get by just doing a, a limited theatrical release. And I think you're going to end up having more people rent this movie than buy it, honestly. So they might as well get the full amount of that rental up front. In my opinion, I don't know. I, I see what you're saying, but I think there is a positive aspect to that too.
1: There's definitely a positive aspect. I mean, I love that that video on demand, especially for like for for example, super fan Mark Smith, who like is yeah. always saying like you know the good stuff, the art movies, the films that he really wants to see. They never come to where he is. Um, so, like I was talking again, Greg and I were chatting about this last night. Thirteen Assassins is on is on video on demand right now, and that was on. I mean, it played in one theater on Maui for about a week. And then, of course, it was it's in that one theater right now in Denver. Mm-hmm. But I could either, you know, if, if I had video on demand, which I don't, but if I had it, I mean, I could just stay home, open the credit card in like seven bucks and watch 13 Assassins in the comfort of my own home. Or I could see it the way it's meant to be seen on the big screen, but I got to drive 60 miles to Denver. Each way, they, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then like, you know, open up like, what, $12 to see it at the art theater, plus popcorn. and Plus you know, your gas money. E- plus. Exactly. So it's like, you know, I'm saving money, even though it's obviously, I mean, I would say 13 Assassins must be seen on the big screen, but... In this movie, what the, the word
0: doesn't necessarily need to be seen on the big screen. Uh, I've seen people call it a glorified Masters of Horror episode, and I think there is some some so, some substance to that argument. But I still think it's well worth seeing, and I think, honestly, her, st- theaters aren't as willing to take a chance m- as much anymore, as far as distribution goes. Sure, I honestly see this as, as a logical next step to when Soderbergh did the experiment with Bubble, mm-hmm. where he released it on DVD and in theaters the same day. Because he knew it wasn't going to get out everywhere it needs to go. Mm-hmm. So let's give it a shot. Let's see if the, the masses are willing to, to take a chance on it and see how it goes and see what happens. Um, I, I don't know. I'm very curious to see how this does. I, I'm wondering if they're going to release the VOD numbers. Because you may end up only having, you know, 20 to 100 people in, the, in a city who want to see a movie. Well, let's say the Cinemark, they've got, you know, the 300-seat the theater, and they're going to commit a week's worth of runtime to get 100 people? I don't think so. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting alternate s- source, I think. How is The Ward compared to Cigarette Burns? Ooh, totally different movies.
1: Well, I mean, I, 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 oh, yeah, I mean, of course. But, I mean, like, in terms of quality, I mean, is it as good as Cigarette Burns or not quite? You mean as far or? as production quality and stuff? Uh, yeah, even, like, overall, like, like, which one do you like better?
0: I like Cigarette Bun- Burns better because it took such a unique concept and really ran with some places that you're like, are they going to go? Yep, they went there with that movie. So they don't quite go that far with this, but it's a thoughtful film. Uh, it's not a completely check your brain at the door movie. All the girls, you know, they, they kind of acquit themselves quite well as far as acting chops go. And the story goes interesting places. So I, they're entirely different. If you're going to put a gun to my head, Cigarette Burns is a better movie. But this is still, it's it's decent for sure.
1: Because cigarette burns, I man. I think you probably feel the same way I do. About it. I mean, it's only it was only about seventy minutes. But I would have been happy with Carpenter putting like twenty more minutes into that puppy and then releasing it in theaters. I thought it was that good. I thought it was horrifying and inventive and imaginative, kind of a dark masterpiece. I think it's a great Carpenter. Yeah, film. It, if you're going to put it in that level, yeah, not even close. Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, it, it, I think it is worth watching. Absolutely, it's just not going to be a masterpiece. Okay. Well, I'll, so, I'll
1: take a good Carpenter movie over yeah. you know over a a bad, take? a bad Wes Craven movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. Yeah, I. Oof, yeah, I, I. I really enjoyed it. Well, good. So good. yeah, I'm glad to hear because I've been hearing more of that because I think when it first hit the film festivals, I think it was last fall. You know, I think everybody walked in expecting another Halloween. You know. And yeah. I think with lowered expectations, I mean, you know, and I haven't even seen the ward yet, but it, it does sound. I'm hearing more of what you're saying that like you know it's it's not Escape from New York but it's it's a very good film and that has me excited. Exactly, yeah, it, it's totally decent movie. It, it's just not amazing. Okay, so yeah, tempered expectations. Exactly. <gasps> All right, let's go ahead and talk about what hit theaters this past weekend. This weekend you had J.J. J. Abrams' Top Secret, much hyped, much discussed, super rate starring Elle Fanning and Kyle Chandler. Um, also opening, Judy Moody and the Not Bummer Summer, starring Heather Graham. I think about two people saw that one. And then, limited release, you have Troll Hunter, The Troll Hunter, which is apparently uh, just been approved for a remake. So, <laughs> coming soon, Troll Hunter in English. Yeah. And then The Trip, the new film by Michael Winterbottom. It's supposed to be very good with uh, with uh, Steve Coogan. It's supposed to be a very funny movie. I read a review of Judy
0: Moody on Ain't It Cool. I think it was Capone who wrote it. And you know it's going to be bad when he's like, Look, I'm taking the
1: bullet for you guys. Like, that's how he
0: started the review.
1: <laughs> well, I read, I can't remember. Where it was, I read a review of it, but they were saying that it's one of the most aggressively obnoxious children's movies in a long time. It's just like it's it's one of these movies that just tries to constantly remind you how hip it is and how up to the minute it is, and just really, you know. And I like a good children's film if it's good, but apparently this is just, just not sufferable. Yeah. So, and you saw Super Eight? I have not I seen saw it. Super Eight. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: I, honestly, as I've seen the trailers, I've been more interested in it. But there's a lot. It takes a lot of interest for me to go from. I really don't care about this movie to I have to see it opening
1: weekend. It just didn't get me to that point, so I didn't get there this weekend. But you saw it. I did see it, and I'll say briefly, I think it's a good film. I don't think it's a great movie, and I think, frankly, because the genre aspect of it really hurts it. I don't want to ruin anything because it's just too new, and I'm sure there will be people listening to this who want you know, no spoilers, so I'm not going to give any spoilers. I'm not even going to say what genre this movie is. I'll just say that it is a genre movie, um, and the creature aspect of the movie, I thought, was really lacking. Um I like the fact that you don't see the creature for most of the movie. That was really nice. But for the most part, I mean, once you finally do see the creature, I thought the last 30 minutes of the movie just really fell apart for me. There's a, you know, even in something like this, you have to have something resembling logic, and there's there's just no logic at the end. It's <laughs> really It's really kind of blatantly ridiculous. It feels really rushed. Um, very clunky. It's a lot of explosions, and, and none of it really affect you all that much. And it has a final closing scene that's meant to, of course, evoke ET, like many of the scenes in the movie. But it just it doesn't doesn't do it for me. There, I want to say there are two great scenes in this movie that do make it worthwhile. One is the train crash scene, which is pretty amazing. It's a great sequence. And the other is there's a scene where uh, the main actor, I believe his name is Joel Courtney, and it's his film debut. He plays Joe, the main kid, and then Elle Fanning, who plays his dream girl. They're watching a movie in his bedroom. And it's one of the most moving scenes I've seen in a film all year. Uh, basically, they're they're watching an old old uh, movie reel together, and she basically reveals this huge bomb of a revelation on him. And uh, the way it's acted by the two of them, is so good. Hmm. Um, the level of the the child acting in this movie is pretty much off the charts, especially by al Fanning, who I think is just between this and somewhere is really going places. Um, all the stuff for the adults didn't feel very good. Um, Kyle Chandler. Okay. Kyle Chandler does a fine job, but I think his character is is as limited as all the other adult characters in this movie. The sense of nostalgia is really nice. I mean, it feel it looks and feels like the early '80s. I can vouch for that. It's a it's a very good looking movie, very well made movie. Clearly a labor of love. It just it felt too derivative of so many other films. Watching this film, and this isn't even a spoiler. I mean, not only ET, but also the Goonies and the Last Starfighter, and a lot of explorers as well. Um, and instead of instead of just being a total tribute to those movies i just felt like like abrams was kind of like picking pieces out of the best and kind of like you know trying to make like a burger by taking pieces of all these other all these meats, so, so so. What
0: you're saying is the movie ends with Robert Picardo in the monster costume singing a song.
1: <laughs> that would have been a much better ending. I really, Ooh. I really don't like the ending of this movie at all. I okay. really don't. I just, I don't think it works. But everything building up to it is great. The end credits have the movie within a movie that the kids are making. It's called The Chase. I liked that movie better than Super Eight. I love the movie that these kids are making. And I don't even mean that as a big slam. I mean, it's just, it's so good. And I think that's the kind of movie this could have been. If Abrams had just made a personal film and a, you know, a comedy about the summer that changed my life, you know, one of those sorts of movies, you know, kind of like a really hipster sort of stand by me. I think this could have been like one of the best films of the year. I think the monster gets in the way of it. Interesting.
0: Okay. Very interesting. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and talk about what's hitting home, home video this week. Well, Dave uh, brought this one up. I just want to make that very clear. <laughs> jackass 3.5, what is that, Dave? It's essentially all the footage they couldn't fit in Jackass 3. Okay. So, yeah. I've heard good things fun, you know, if you're here's the thing about Jackass. By now, you know if you like it or not. If you like it, <laughs> you'll enjoy this. If you don't, everything I've heard is this is it's not going to do anything to change your mind. I mean, Jackass is very upfront about what it is and so that's one thing I appreciate it's not like you're ever going to get hoodwinked by Jackass unless they decide to you know let Michelle Gondry make an art film out of a Jackass for Jackass 4 or something you know that, that, that's the only way they could like go the backwards it's not like you're going to be tricked into watching a family movie and suddenly you know it's everything that's a Jackass so
1: yeah is there are there any celebrities that were cut out of the film version that I were think gonna Spike Jones is like... in it more okay because okay. Yeah. Britney Spears was in the movie version right is she? Wasn't she? Wasn't I mean? I've seen the footage. I mean, was that not in the film? Oh, during the music video part, yeah, she like shows up for just a second. Yeah. Well, she's. I mean, I've seen the footage where she gets in an outhouse and they slingshot the outhouse, and she ends up with like fecal matter and stuff all over. You're thinking of Steve O. No, well, no. There's one with Britney Spears. Britney Spears, it did must do be it. a gag jo- joke or something. Like okay. That. Well, yeah. it, was, it was like two minutes long. They showed it on, I think, Letterman or something. Huh. Anyway. Yeah. No, All no, right. no.
0: That's that's definitely not in the movie. So okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Jagged has 3.5. Also, Supernatural season two now on Blu-ray. Yes. So finally, I don't know why they're releasing season two after season five, but okay. I'm I'm happy with it. I'll get it. The
1: concert film. Nor
0: McDonald. Me doing stand-up. Yeah. Heard it's good. Have seen you seen it. his
1: stand up? I've never seen his stand up. I've seen
0: it once in a while. Yeah, it, it's pretty good, but there are a lot of Norman McDonald fans out there, and he hasn't done a whole heck of a lot lately, so I figured it's worth mentioning.
1: He kind of reminds me of almost like Andy Kaufman. He's kind of like the anti comedian comedian. Oh, totally. Kind of like making a joke about how bad his joke is going, or like kind of making a joke about the lack of jokes he's doing. Was, was, very... he,
0: was it the Shatner roast he was on? Yeah. And, and he, he was just, yeah, it was just such bad jokes. Yeah, he was doing that really
1: weird. Yeah, it was a really, you're right. Yeah, it was that really weird uh, bit where he's just, just, one joke that wasn't funny after another, and but but purposely so. Oh really. yeah, the the, the people in the dais were
0: were dying about. It. They were loving it. Yeah. Oh, and I watched the Hasselhoff roast this weekend too. Whew, that thing was brutal. Oh, very much so.
1: Yeah, it was. I uh, mean, it
0: was hilarious. I mean, there they, yeah. they there were some serious pot shots taken that were brutally funny. Well, at Hulk Hogan too. Like, wow, oh, everybody's yeah.
1: like everybody's picking on Hulk Hogan.
0: Oh yeah. What was it? Whitney Cummings was was talking. What was it? Oh, she was talking about Jeff Ross, and and she's like, I wouldn't you if you were Hulk Hogan and I was Brooke Hogan. I was like, what? Aww.
1: That one went, wow. Cruel. Yeah, it was nuts. Cruel, yeah. cruel, cruel. Yeah. Um, also, an uh, um, interesting lineup here. Uh, rubber, which uh, just had a release in Denver very briefly. Now it's it's on DVD and I've heard nothing but great things about Rubber. I'm looking forward to this I one. Have you seen see it yet? No, I haven't. I really want to. And it played in Denver for about a week, but uh, Marty saw it. He highly recommends it. So Cool. <laughs> want to check that out. Uh, one of the most hyped films of the year and I think one of the most, probably one of the biggest disappointments, Battle Los Angeles with Aaron Eckhart. Um, I haven't watched it because of what you and Ethan said. I'm good. You know, some great special effects, and I think it peaks uh, probably about 40 minutes in, but it's just, it becomes really redundant and overly preachy, strangely enough. And yeah, I'd rather just watch Independence Day again. More monsters. Or, or or Monsters definitely I'd rather watch Monsters no matter what uh, let's see what else we got here ooh here we go a real winner Big Mamas Like Father Like Son uh, this will definitely be coming up a little bit later on when we talk about our main topic uh, <laughs> yes. Martin Lawrence is back and this time he's bringing Brandon T. Jackson down with him Brandon T. Jackson from Tropic Thunder yeah So, very unfortunate there. Uh, Let's see. And then Hall Pass, which I've heard very mixed things about. My dad saw it. thought it was funny. (laughs) I don't know anybody else who liked Hall Pass. You know,
0: this is one of those movies where the entire just setup of the film predisposes me
1: to not like it. So, why would I waste my time? Okay. Well, Fairly Brothers, although that used to mean a lot more than it does now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and then Red Riding Hood, of course, Amanda Seyfried, and Gary Oldman, which is the one reason I will see because Gary Oldman's in it. Because I'll see anything that guy's in. Okay. But uh, yeah, Catherine Katherine her first film since Twilight. Let me know how that goes for you. I, I will let you know. Yeah, I still I still think the I still think it's going to be that Amanda Seyfried's the werewolf. That's my prediction that the big plot twist is going to be, but I yeah. could be wrong. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. Okay. Should we move on to to news? Because I'm I'm kind of good. Yeah, right not now. the greatest, not the greatest DVD.
0: Yep, let's do news. Um, let's just get the, the the interesting one out of the way. The Human Centipede two has been banned in the UK. Which did you read the description of why? Yes, yes. We yes. can't even mention it on this episode no, without
1: going explicit. It's disgusting. I don't want to talk about the plot.
0: Well, here's the thing: the first movie people people will argue it being a dark comedy, and you know what? I can with enough perspective on seeing it, I can see the argument because it's such a ludicrous idea. When he makes the drawing of how everything's gonna work it's so crudely drawn out of like blobs that are supposed to be people it's kind of funny and i can i can see the argument i may not agree with it but i see the argument people find funny this second one I, I, I'm not seeing.
1: I'm good. I'm, I'm skipping this movie. Uh, well, let's talk about this for just a second. And since it's just the two of us today, we would yeah. be a little self-indulgent here. Um, super fan Mark Smith. I'm just going to call him that for now. Yes. Mark's, which, which, Mark's, which? Mark's, Mark's a great guy. But he did. Say, I, I I loved it that he that he pointed this out because it does because it is a conversation starter. He did Absolutely. say Did you see on on Facebook? He posted, oh Dave is going soft on us." Because yeah, 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 he posted it yeah. on my status, and, yeah. and I thought, you know, on one hand, you know, of course, Mark is totally entitled to his opinion about this. But uh, I mean, I think that this is interesting because um i think i mean i personally have a line i think you have a line and like i mean for me like i mean i think disgusting is still disgusting i am not for censorship of any kind i'm completely against censorship of all kinds really honestly but there's some stuff that i will never subject myself to and i think it's interesting that you know even though uh even though pretty much anything will be in an American movie theater now, especially in Denver, when we get some weird, crazy, sick, oh, yeah. weird stuff playing in Denver movie theater, Stuff that should never be playing in a movie theater, um, especially one that like shows like a Care Bear movie, you know. Like, but in that same theater, <laughs> but like this is interesting. That that for so many people, this is like okay. Well, like we got to draw the line here. This is this really is sicker than the first one. Tom Six really did go so much further. It's playing right into his hand, though, too. It really is. I mean this is like great publicity for him? And for me, bottom line, I mean, all it comes down to is like this is genuinely sick i really do think that without standing on like a moral high horse or anything i think we can just honestly say you know this is this really never should have been made this is really disgusting you can't defend this as art hearing the two reading about the two scenes it
0: to me it doesn't matter whether it's the worst it gets or not the worst it gets the fact that those two scenes are there mean you know i don't need to see this movie right and and you're right and you know it is totally playing into Tom Six's hand cuz he wants people to oh it's the most extreme movie out there and blah 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 you know I didn't know Hostel crossed the line until I watched the movie and afterwards I was like oh Actually, about 20 minutes into that movie, probably I figured out that movie.
1: Yeah. Well, like, the, the thing is, like, to even talk about this movie mm-hmm. is helping its cause. Like, Absolutely. There, there are movies that, I mean, I will not mention by name and I will not discuss on this site. Of course, I'm sure Ethan will see them and bring it up. But, like, there are movies that I will not talk about on this site because just talking about them, first of all, I mean, it, it does give them some form of publicity. And even, like, I mean, for Pete's sake, even people saying, like, oh, this is awful, and disgusting, and terrible. I mean, all it's doing is helping the opening numbers for this thing. It's going to be a midnight movie sensation. I'm sure it'll oh, yeah. do really well. Because let's face it, I mean, they don't make a lot of movies like this anymore. Where it's like, I dare you to see this film. There yeah, really we, aren't a lot we of we don't have like a, that we don't there.
0: have cannibal Holocaust coming out, right? Anymore. We
1: don't have I spit on your grave. The original, like, yeah. we don't have those kind of movies. So, like, when there are movies like this, where like the very notion of it is like you know the equivalent of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where the title offends people, you know, I got to hand it to Six. Like, he really he really is tapping into something that really hasn't been a part of the exploitation movie market probably in about 30, 40 years. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, do we really want this back? I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm fine without it. Yeah, I, I'm not going to be partaking of
0: it. I, I just think it's an interesting thing to show, see just how far, just how far over
1: the line. Because one of those scenes would have gone over the line for me as it was. Having two of them, wow. Well, well, our good friend and uh, part-time uh, collaborator, to the side, though he's he's so much bigger than us, uh, Christian Toto. He uh, wrote a really great article about uh, what does uh, the human, the Human Centipede Part Two have in common with Clockwork Orange? They're both banned and in the UK man I think that's given isn't that interesting though I mean yeah. like you know like, like out of all the movies like this is one that we're going no no this is this is inappropriate we will not allow this in our country you know is it interesting that this is where they go
0: like we'll draw the line I think oh man you know I, I think Clark Gordon had a very powerful discussion behind it and, and it yeah. asked very important questions I don't know that man I really want to say I don't know what this has to do with it but I won't say the scenes because I again I don't want to put explicit tag on this episode for this Um, I don't know how you're gonna make an artistic statement with those kinds of things happening.
1: Well, like you can, you can. You know, like like let me let me just get really kind of playing devil's advocate here, but like you know, Pasolini solo. That movie is about. It's symbolic about you know about fascism and what the government can do to its people. And but like, do we need to see people eating excrement to make that point? No. Do we need to see people being raped in order to 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 make an expression about how people are raped and abused in society and life? No, no, you do not. But like, that is the point that movie is making. That's why people defend Solo as brilliant, you know. Oh, so like, Mr. Six could he could say whatever the heck he wants. You know? know, absolutely, you know, absolutely. You know, but I'll, like, I'll never see Solo. Like, likewise, likewise. You know, the same thing with like Hostel. Like remember when Hostel came out, I mean, I've seriously read like scholarly articles in that movie saying like, well, the film is symbolic of Guantanamo Bay. And, you know, it's about, you know, about, about the, the Bush years. Like, that's, I'm not seeing that's any of that. That's such crap. That's yeah. such crap. But like, you know, that's, you know, the thing is about horror films and fantasy films and science fiction movies, a lot of them do exist in kind of, you know, in metaphorical terms. So we can like put the baggage on the movie that doesn't, it doesn't deserve and, yeah. and doesn't really have, really. See, see I can make, the, I can see the argument for clear. Clockwork Orange, because
0: it's a film that truly asks the question: Can you force a man to be good? Before you can ask that question, you have to establish just how bad man can be first, and right. then go to the other point from there.
1: So I, I can see the argument there, but with this stuff, uh-uh. no, well, Clockwork Orange is brilliant. I mean, yeah. Stanley Kubrick's a genius. You know, I would, there's no argument there, and you're completely right. I mean, that movie has a point. I think um, if I know my film my film history correctly, it's it's it had everything to do with the fact of all of these copycat actions that were going on when clockwork orange was in theaters and that was one of the reasons that it became banned because it was believed that the film was influencing people to to commit these copycat crimes so it was considered well you know to have this thing in for the good of society right yeah for the good of society we're going to keep you from from great cinema
0: fair enough okay um wow see i knew that was that
1: conversation was going to go a little while (laughs) well that's you know it's worth talking about dave it is because i mean you know i think we can talk about the provocative aspects of of this discussion without giving that Glorifying movie it. without giving that movie any more promotion than it needs because it's it's going to do just fine
0: yeah at this point you can't really stumble over a rock without f- reading that article about you know reading what the, the, the UK film board said
1: yeah you know, well like on one hand I, I, I do kind of appreciate the fact that they're letting us know what's in the movie because like you do understand like why you know like, we're, like well, we have to put our foot down um, but on the other hand I mean it's just you know it's just it's it's just yet another foul thing out there on the internet true
0: true uh, speaking of things you can't turn a rock over without <laughs> finding, without seeing or hearing or anything, the Alamo Draft House texture. When 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 Cooper Anderson, what's his Anderson name? Cooper? Anderson it's Cooper. Okay. Okay. No. Yep. See, I don't Anderson watch Cooper. CNN. Neither when do he I. did an entire bit about it, which I watched the bit, um, th- this things caught
1: some caught fire. Uh, do we even need to go over what the story is? We could just comment on it. I mean, but for, for, for briefly, if, if you're listening and you don't know what this is, I mean, very briefly, a girl, uh, you know, was kicked out of the theater for texting during the film. Uh, she called the theater and complained, and the theater went ahead and made her, her voice message to the theater as part of their new PSA. Because they're not part of regular theaters. Now, this girl is clearly not all that sharp. But uh, now I got to say, like, I mean, this is, I mean, it's such great publicity for the theater because. Oh, yeah. This is kind of a wish fulfillment thing. And if you go to this, I mean, we've talked about this. If you go to this great theater, I mean, you know, I've been to the theater, Dave. You will go to this theater soon, I'm sure. Oh, I so mean, it, it I want to go to Austin just to go to that draft house and is, check out Mondo Tees. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it is one of the great, great movie going experiences you will have when I mean, you walk in. I mean, the atmosphere, the art direction, the decor around you is rich and wonderful and inventive. They show short movies before the film starts, and they make it clear not once, not twice, but three times that you know, no texting, no talking during the movie. I mean, this it is you know, unless unless it's a comedy, you're Allowed to laugh, but really you got to sit there and just enjoy the cinema, enjoy the time, enjoy your food. Yeah, if it's you if know. it's organic, the way my stance has always been. If it's organic to the film, right?
0: I'm I'm fine with 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 audience reaction i have no problem with that it's just when it, people
1: won't shut the heck up this theater is asking audiences to be polite i know it's a lot to ask in today's society but it's yeah. asking audiences to be polite and to have some common courtesy and some manners and this girl completely stepped over that it doesn't matter if she turned on her phone accidentally or if she was texting obnoxiously through the whole movie bottom line is she broke the rules yeah what,
0: what's so very interesting to me is and i've talked to people who who are texters and they're like, what's the big deal? She had it on silent, silent. It's not like anyone could hear the boop, 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 boop. I'm like, first of all, you, you can you can hear the clickety-clack. Yes, I can you tell can. you that by experience, by having someone sit three seats over for me during Be Kind Rewind. Mm-hmm. And the other side is, I don't care if you can't hear the clicking. To quote Anderson Cooper, it's like setting off a road flare in pitch black. I don't care if
1: it's on the, the, the lowest brightness setting. It still is distracting. And this is one of the great... I mean, it's not only just one of the best movie theaters in Texas. I mean, it's one of the best movie theaters in the world. It doesn't matter which one you go to in Austin. Alamo Drafthouse guarantees a great experience at the theaters. I don't care what the movie is. And, I mean, she could have gone to some crappy middle-of-the-road mall theater down the street and paid half the money. You know, but instead she went to this great theater and acted like a schmuck, and she got busted.
0: Yeah, yeah. and and here's the interesting thing. I'm sure that, like, Landmark has a very similar policy. Um, It may not be quite so in your face, but then again... The landmark theater chains aren't going to be showing mainstream films for the most part. For the most part, yeah. Uh, generally, they're going to be art films. And so, you know, that you're not going to draw in that kind of crowd. You're going to draw in a more refined crowd. I don't care if you want to take that derogatively or not. It To have a theater do this, like, if Cinemark did this, I would be so happy. I don't think they're going to because they're big enough that they'd have a lot more to lose than Alamo. Alamo has come out and has, has said, you know, we know we're going to lose out on, on a certain, on a significant chunk of the movie going public. We're fine with that. And they've made a success out of it. I don't know if you can make that a national chain and really pull it off. I don't know. I would love it. I would support that theater as much as I could. If, if one opened in Colorado Springs, heck yeah, I'd go
1: to use a I mean the, the metaphor I like to use is you know when, when air travel first became big there were the planes that are the planes now you know or basically they're just buses with wings essentially you know and you heard the cattle onto the plane to fly from one place to another and then when my mother was a was a stewardess back in the late uh, 60s early 70s they had these planes that not only had a second level but they had a piano bar mm-hmm. and they had like on different levels they'd be showing different movies and it was like magic you know and it's like this is what air travel should be like so of course you know people would shell out extra money to go and like man this is what this is what the possibility of what it's like to be on an airplane and how great it can be and the thing about these theaters is, like, whatever you call them, you know, if, if we want to, like, label them art houses or, you know, or snooty movies or whatever the heck you want to call them. They're trying to bring back what it should be like to see a movie in the best way with the projection being great and, you know, you're you're in a, in a, in a place that shows such enthusiasm for movies. It's not, you know, simply just, like, a little arcade room next door for the kids or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like, it, it, it's, it's a total mecca for movie lovers. Um, I mean, I think we'd all love movie theaters to be like this but unfortunately they are these specialized things because most movie theaters you are right they'll just be like well whatever you know kids are talking screaming like, what the heck it's alvin and the chipmunks the squeak wall we're not gonna police that and you know hey as long as we get the butts in the seats who the heck cares exactly and that's why alamo is so special and that's why this this case is so great because it's such a great promo because yeah you know it shows that you know this theater will go out of its way to make sure that you have a great time
0: well and the great thing about alamo is that they actually hire projectionists i mean you know i like going to the Cinemark right by my house it's two miles away it's a nice it's a nice environment for the most part. yeah, but I'll be honest, their projection sucks, yes. And you can say whatever you want. No one's ever gonna fix it.
1: They never do. I remember seeing Superman returns uh, twice the weekend and open up and the second time, I remember the gosh, it's really dark. It's like really underlit. and I went and complained. They never fixed it.
0: yeah, yeah. so it's it's just an interesting story. I, I hope it lends rise to more people trying to take the plunge because I think the public outcry in support of them doing this could be a sign of, of other chains trying to do this. And I would love it if they did.
1: I'm all for the youth of America. I love young people. I love teaching young people. But the OMG generation can be really, really, really rude. Not as a rule, but oftentimes they can be really, really rude and insensitive. And it's because we've we've kind of allowed you know, the, the texting generation and people to just kind of tune out wherever they are, whether they've got their headphones on or their iPads in front of them. Um and, and that's one thing you know if if you know they're they're by themselves but if they're out in public and they're you know they're acting like total d bags oh yeah you know and you know and they're trying they're to like, like I'm in the United States of America you, you know what so am I
0: so shut the heck up yeah so clearly clearly this story affected yeah. you and I both absolutely <laughs> yeah and I'm, and I'm sure it's gonna affect most of our listenership too I mean we're I'm sure we're all just preaching to the choir here but yeah okay. Shall we move on to other news that's not going to be quite so discuss, discussion-inducing? Sure. I was thinking about just making those two stories our topic this week because we could very easily. We
1: could do a, do a show about like the worst experiences we ever had in movie theaters and the best. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's Cause cause I can, can think of both, honestly. But. Yeah,
0: we're at forty-five minutes, so and we still got a topic ahead, so it's all good. Um, let me see, let me see what news I've got. The Captain America retro poster. I know Ethan loves it when we talk about posters, so I've tried not to do it so much. <laughs> Uh, but this is just a really cool poster. I guess it's the, the poster that was given to the cast and crew for working on it. And it's such like a throwback poster in all the right ways. Like the shot, even when it's down to the shot of him punching Hitler. You know, you're like, I'm sure that's not in the movie. Or maybe it is. Who knows? Who knows? But it's just so, it's just such a great nostalgia trip honestly
1: I don't know why we don't talk about posters but I mean let me let me just like counter what Ethan says because like honestly like at the end of the semester I um, you know whenever I teach my film classes I always do a slideshow where I show all the posters of all the movies we watched and I say you know like you know movie trailers are now an essential part of marketing a movie but back like in the 40s the 30s 40s 50s 60s into the 70s like you know movie trailers were secondary to the posters the posters were off from the first time you know people got to see a movie and sometimes posters would be all that would draw people to see these stinkers you know, mm-hmm. so like I, I, think movie posters are really essential because you know it's it it is the studio saying this is how we're going to promote the movie. This is the vision of the movie, the idea of the movie we're trying to present. And I think like you know they could either be a better representation for the movie than than the trailer, or they can be the best thing about the movie sometimes.
0: Yeah, it, I think a lot of it is because posters have become so generic hmm. that it's like, why should we talk about them when they're all going to be the same thing? If it's a superhero movie, it's the logo. Or it's the hero with some hint of what he can do or she can do. Yeah, and it's not often that we see something special. Like one of my favorite posters of all time is that hard candy poster of her standing on the bear trap. Sure, that's one of my favorite posters ever because it's just so effective. Yeah, and I think I think he has a point to say. You know, if there's something special, we absolutely need to talk about it. And this is one of those cases. For the
1: most part, though, they're just kind of like, eh, why even bother? But I think that does say something about like the quality of the film too. Because I mean, for Pete's sake when when it came to like the poster for Alien i mean clearly that movie was going to be something special because mm-hmm. that poster was so strange and so different from everything else out there that year but then like you see the poster for The Wolf for example it's like wow they can't even disguise what a turd this thing is exactly yeah it
0: it i don't know I, I think it's worth bringing up when it's something different which isn't too often so this is just one of those cases yeah uh let's see here oh goodness me you know th- th- this story is just for you super fan mark smith for in celebration of your birthday this past friday I happy birthday, birthday mark. sir Cause you know, guess guess who's writing a book?
1: Oh, hi, Mark.
0: That's right, that's right. We're gonna have Mark himself t- writing a book about his experience working on the room. Greg Sestero, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, it's not an it's not releasing until 2013. And I think, uh, and someone brought this idea up. I think it was in the the slash film uh, article where I found this. They're saying, you know what? It's going to be so brutal that he's going to milk the the room thing as much as he can before he nukes the relationship with Yzo. I don't know. I'm curious. I
1: think The room will still be relevant in 2013. It's only becoming more and more relevant as time goes on. Yeah, you're probably right. Just curious. I wonder if like it, it's already peaked, or you know, I, I just, I mean, you know, in Denver we get those midnight movie screenings. They're doing so well, but I wonder, like, how much? I mean, how you know, like, remember when Troll Two was huge, and I feel like Troll Two has kind of died down. It has. I think
0: that that the room is still kind of got this underground cult status somehow i think best worst movie did a lot towards kind of putting an end to troll Two. yeah because it became i think it's become a, an essential companion piece to troll Two. sure whereas the room has nothing like that you just watch the room and every time you watch it it gets worse and worse
1: do you think quote-unquote mark's book will be that for the room that'll be like you know kind of the, <laughs> the you read one it,
0: the book see the movie I, I hope so i don't know we'll see i'm, I'm curious to see what what, what it is uh, let's see, I'll save that for last and I'll let you do news. Okay. Because you've got the, uh, the rest of the stories outside of our, our, our deal of the week, if you okay. can get
1: it. All right. Well, uh, uh, June 15th through the 19th is the Maui Film Festival this year. I've been going to the Maui Film Festival on and off for many years, and I love the Maui Film Festival. So if you're on Maui right now, definitely go out of your way to see it. I do have a bit of a bone to pick, though, with this year's festival. <laughs> is Film it the festival. same bone
0: that everybody has? Probably.
1: Okay. Um, over the years, the Maui Film Festival, I guess, is trying to become a little hipper, a little sexier. So they've gone from, you know, honoring celebrities, you know, like actors and actresses, like, say, for example, Helen Hunt and Mike Myers, um, like last year, like the the big guest of honor was Zac Efron, Efron who can act and is a good actor. But and you Milan know, Ackerman, but yeah, Melan Ackerman who's a fine actress. Um, but you know, very young, very sex appeal, very much like let's bring the kids in. Well, this year, um, he, let me let me start with the good ones. All right, Andrew Garfield's going to be there. He's one that's, of the actors that's honoring. That that should be the highlight. Right that there. should be that should be the highlight. But it's not. Uh, but Andrew Garfield is one of the the names who are being honored for his contribution to film, which is substantially even at this early in age. And of course, he has got a, his best years ahead. Of him, uh, Jack McCoy, who is a legendary surf filmmaker, has made dozens of great films, uh, you know, showing surfers in action. Um, kind of strange, the two leads from *Tron Legacy*, Olivia Wilde and Garrett Hedlund, are being honored really? for their contribution to film, which is. Seems a little early, and uh, you know I love Tron Legacy, but uh, did you see Country Strong yet? (laughs) I've not seen Country Strong yet. I'm not saying
0: it's something you need to rush out and see, but I think he was the the, he and Leighton
1: Meester were the surprise, the pleasant surprises of the film. Okay, yeah, I will see Country Strong. Um, Anyway, yeah, uh, good actors, kind of kind of an odd choice for like the rising star, but then the big headliner this year. I mean, no question, they've made this the headliner. Um, Being awarded, being awarded for her contribution to cinema as well as for her philanthropy. philanthropic thank you I don't like that word for her efforts uh, Megan Fox Megan freaking Fox who uh, let's see between Transformers 2 and Passion Play and Jonah Hex I mean I think she's about done for Pete's sake but she's being honored as like this this great contributor to, to cinema you know it's been a while since I busted this out but
0: I, I think that's pretty uh, yeah that's pretty fitting there <laughs>
1: You know, and again, I got nothing but love for the Maui Film Festival. I mean, just really quickly, I mean, what it is is they basically set up this this humongous theater in the middle of this golf course and it's under the stars and like get the they've got speakers everywhere, and it's very drive-in movie-ish where you kinda sit out and, you know, whether you got a blanket or a chair and you watch it under the stars, and it's like, you know, really warm seventy degrees at night, and it's just a magical, beautiful experience. And they also show films at nearby cinemas. Among the films that are on the roster this year that they're gonna show, Submarine, which I can get behind, great film, um, Tom Shadyx film I. I Am, uh, The Future, the new film from the director of uh, me and everyone you know, uh, Another Earth, which was highly acclaimed at this year's Sundance Film Festival, Beginners, Christopher Plummer and, and Ewan McGregor, it's supposed to be really good comedy, Last Night, an erotic thriller with Kira Knightley, Ava Mendez and Sam Worthington, and Another Earth, as well as uh, Page One. So, like, no question, good lineup this year. It's definitely worth the time, definitely worth the money, definitely worth going to the Maui Film Festival. It's always great. I worry that next year's guest of honor is going to be Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Anyway, I'm a little I'm a little worried about the the lineup of guests because like, you know, when I first started going to the film festival, I mean, it really was like I, and I can't say that I know for certain if they've had him, but like for example, it would be someone like Michael Caine or Sir Anthony Hopkins, you know, like 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 giants, you know. They would yeah. do, or or they would get someone like Mary McDonnell. But um I was a little disappointed when I saw that Megan Fox was the headliner this year, honestly. Yeah. Because that's a really good lineup. Otherwise, although yeah, otherwise it's it's solid. And Andrew Garfield, considering that he's going to be Spider-Man next, and considering yeah. that you know he just did the Social Network, he should have and been the, the Red Riding trilogy, and absolutely all this other stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, very gifted actor. Yeah. So it's very I found it very strange that they go with uh, Megan Fox, who's like the Pamela Anderson of acting. So well,
0: it's just like us. I mean, you know, I know we love the stars Denver Film Festival,
1: but they've programmed movies that that we've thought have been crap.
0: Sure doesn't
1: mean we don't like it so but, but they thing. have managed to get like you know the likes of Sean Penn, Ed Harris, Morgan Freeman over the True. years you know they've never been like let's get that girl from Transformers you know that'll bring the
0: kids in you know I would I could see Keith bringing her in and then airing Jonah Hex as part of the watching hour
1: that week just to <laughs> really well yeah exactly well you know it's really weird it's like I mean you know when you consider who the tourists are who go to this thing because you know obviously you know Maui has such a you know such a thing for the tourists and I mean, mom and moms and dads who go to this thing. I mean, like I would, I would imagine they'd want to meet like Andrew Garfield or whatever. I can't imagine them being like, "Oh my gosh, my son loves you." Let's take a picture with Megan Fox. Yeah. I, uh.
0: Anyway, you, so you, I'm, you bring I'm, up the whole projection outside thing. I saw a thing on Craigslist, totally random thing. Sorry, but they had a, there was this guy selling a thing. It was like a thirty-two foot by fourteen foot inflatable screen with a ten channel surround sound and like an eight thousand lumen projector. I'm like, if I hit the lottery. I'm buying a setup like that and we're gonna do like a Screen Geeks Summer Series like out of Cottonwood Park or something like that. Yeah. Oh, that would be so much fun if we had something like that out here. But That'd be a lot of fun. <sighs>
1: Megan Fox. And Fox, and you know, I and I'll end this that that just by saying like, please don't don't misunderstand me. Maui Film Festival is one of the best film festivals in the world. I went last year. I've gone a number of years. I I, I started going when I was in high school. It's so much fun. It's, it's just a head scratcher decision. It's worth all. the time. It's worth the money. This year's headliner, yeah, it's a bit of a head scratcher. So I'm just you know, I don't mean to criticize the film festival. I got nothing but love for it. And if you're able to go, it's the uh, June 15th through the 19th on the island of Maui. All obviously, right. cool. What else you got? Uh, let's see. One of my last stories, the Twin Peaks Film Festival. Another film. Uh, another festival this year the twin peaks festival which takes place in north bend washington from august the fifth to the seventh kick-ass year this year. Great lineup. Um, let's see. They've got Cheryl Lee, of course, who's famous for playing Laura Palmer. Sherilyn Fenn, uh, who came last year, is also returning this year. Lenny Van Dolan, who uh, Lenny Van Dolan rarely seen in public. Lenny Van Dolan, of course, probably best known for being the star of the cult film uh, Electric Dreams. He was also a very pivotal figure in uh, in the Twin Peaks series. And Charlotte Stewart, who in addition to being a uh, cast member Twin Peaks is also the star of Eraserhead. They're good. At the moment, they are the headliners. They're continuing to establish uh, who's going to be there this year. The Twin Peaks Film, uh, not only Film Festival, but just a festival in general. A lot of fun. I mean, there's a cherry pie eating contest. There's there's activities and there's Q&As and there's film screens. I think this year they're screening Blue Velvet um, as well as tours of all the places where the television show was shot. The Twin Peaks Festival, North Bend, Washington, August 5th through the 7th. Go if you can. And it's what's a the lot website for it? I believe it's just TwinPeaksFest.com okay, if I remember correctly. Cool. Right on. So, Cool. All right. Do you have anything else? Uh, Last one. A film that Dave and I saw and really liked a lot called Attack the Block is apparently getting a wide, quote unquote wide, I'm not sure how wide. It's a platformed release. It's starting in New York and LA. Okay. And that uh, starts on uh, July the
0: 29th. Yes. And then apparently it's going to expand out from there. And uh, There's actually going to be another preview screening on Wednesday around the country. Uh, I actually have a story up about this at ScreenGeeks.com. I have a link to the GoFobo page. Uh, the The 43 Kicks people are putting on a good chunk of them. So, yeah, it's, it's worth checking out if you don't want to wait.
1: Check it out. I mean, I think this is the equivalent of Tremors. It is a horror movie. It is scary, but it is fall-down funny. It's got great characters. It's got great action. It's got a great monster. There you go. Great monster movie. And Check the final out.
0: story I have of the week, we actually have a deal of the week. If you can find it, I'm guessing by the time I publish this, even if I publish this Sunday afternoon, uh, you're going to have a hard time finding this. However, Target this week is offering the Back to the Future trilogy on Blu-ray for 15 bucks. So, five bucks a movie for a new transfer, new, like a two hour long documentary about the making of all three films and the stuff, the footage with Eric Stoltz and all kinds of stuff. I mean, for 15 bucks, you really can't go wrong if you can find it. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm sure they're sold out by now, but who knows if they're going to get more in the stores or not. Check it out. Yes. So, let's take a quick break. We will come back. We'll talk about the most useless franchises we've ever seen, at least. And uh, yeah, we'll just have a, a heck of a good time. We will be right back. Sue Ellen Greenblatt is a real person, not an internet celebrity. So we've enlisted Billy Flynn and the vicar to help her tell her story. Geek Radio Daily gives me geeky news about movies, new DVD releases, even comics and gaming. Geek Radio Daily makes me feel special. Ah, yeah. Womanly. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the episodes are just 15 minutes, perfect for my commute, or for just geeking out while I'm at the office.
1: Mm -hmm. All in one concise love package. Ooh, the package, baby.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And the best part is that it's a daily cast, so I'm always in the loop.
1: Sometimes I listen to it out of the bath, put on little outfits. Ah! It makes me want to invite all my friends over to show how refreshed I feel. Mm, A slumber party, baby. What? That's not what I said! Get out the... Chocolate mousse. Duct tape. Oh, get out of here, you freaks!
0: Geek Radio Daily. One minute podcast provides 15% of the USDA recommended daily allowance of geeky goodness. Subscribe through iTunes or visit geekradiodaily.com. Uh! My name is
1: unfortunately Rodrigo Cortez. I'm guilty of buried, and this is Screen Geeks Radio.
0: Yeah, I had to show that, air that just because I, I found buried for 12 bucks for the DVD Blu ray combo yesterday. I just couldn't figure out if I really need to own it or not, but it is an outstanding movie. Do they have good features on it? Do you know? Uh, There's like a behind-the-scenes feature and I think maybe like a commentary. There's not a lot. So I was like, "Ah, we'll see. Yeah,
1: maybe at another point. It's a short film too, right? Yeah, but I think it's it's a powerful film. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to remember if it was like 72 minutes long or 75. I remember it being pretty... But it was long enough. It felt as long as it needed to be, yeah. Yeah. No questions. All
0: right, so what's our our shooting fish in a barrel topic for this week?
1: Useless franchises. Films that had one or two or three or, in some cases, six sequels too many. There's so many to choose from. There really are, but, you know, it's summertime, and it's like they just keep stacking them, you know? Yeah, a lot of them are
0: direct-to-DVD. Like, you know, I'll just start off with the Hellraiser series. Uh, That's just... I don't know it just tries to up the gross out factor and that's about all it's good for
1: I just wonder if the fans still care because I know Doug Bradley has been playing Pinhead for you know a couple decades now but I wonder like aside from his participation if fans still get excited about these movies I mean please if you're listening to this please uh, send us an email let us know like if, if there's a particular series that we're either being too soft on or too hard on if what you think is uh because certainly I man, I'd be curious to because I've only seen the first Hellraiser honestly I've never seen any of those sequels but, I saw the uh, one in space Oh, was, so that was the sixth one, Bloodline. Okay, uh, that, I that know. was the sixth one. The wow, sixth that's one, yeah. the only one
0: I've seen, but I was like, this...
1: Yeah, they've gone well past There's no
0: that. reason for that movie
1: outside of Gross Out Factor. None. And I know Craig Sheffer was in one of the subsequent ones, and he's actually a pretty good actors so it's interesting that like they're still able to manage to kind of you know wrangle in some talent well come on movies. Matthew
0: McConaughey was in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie he was
1: he was so yeah yeah, yeah. What, what, what are a couple of years sir well let's see. I'm gonna start with Pirates of the Caribbean just go with an obvious <laughs> one and I'll be completely honest like I thought the first Pirates of the Caribbean was good good not great but a good movie very good and I think most of it had to do with the, the level of Johnny Depp's performance and also uh, the fact that it was a comedy above all else um, I did not like any of the sequels honestly Fair enough. Um, I just, I think, you know, it was one of these things where you just, you gotta leave well alone and and move on and not just sequelize something to death. Uh, I don't believe that everything needs a sequel, it deserves a sequel. And I know uh, this is something I know many people have disagreed with me about but like for example the ending of Iron Man I thought it was perfect yeah, I, it was bold absolutely. it was a shocker I'd never seen a comic book movie end that way I thought perfect don't do a sequel it's perfect leave it alone it's great don't do any more Iron Man or bring Iron it Man
0: back movies. for the Avengers or something like that but Yeah
1: exactly but don't yeah don't do Iron Man 2 whatever you do and of course they did that 2 years later and same with Star Trek like I don't want there to be a Star Trek sequel I know you know the, the I thought the Abrams film was was one of the best films of its year and the, possibly the best Star Trek film yet I don't want there to be a Star Trek two. I really don't. But I, but of course we're gonna get it. You know, let's leave Star Trek alone until we, we haven't done a Star Trek
0: episode yet, have we? Not in some time. Okay. I, I don't well, think so. like talking about the entire film series. I don't think so. No. Okay. Then we're gonna leave Star Trek alone for the time being. We, we should do that this summer, though. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I think that's an interesting discussion to have. Uh, let's see. Oh man. You know, you, you said using something to death. I'm I, I'm just gonna get my fish in a barrel ones out of the way, which would be the land for before time 15 or whatever there is they're up to now, and an American tale, like 54. It,
1: it's just you know they're they're
0: movies that weren't bad initially. But, but this, this is, is shameless. Yeah,
1: is, it is shameless. Shameless. How many adventures can those dinosaurs go on before they get extinct? I mean, this is ridiculous. How many? How many of those stupid movies? There well, are.
0: they're they're going to have a point where one of them is going to build a dom- a bomb shelter somehow. So when the big bang happens, you know, when, when when the when the meteor hits and changes everything,
1: they're they're just fine, so they can come back out and interact with the humans. You know, the thing about the Ice Age movies is they're comedies, and they, they do find humor. I, did, I didn't think the second Ice Age movie was all that good, but the third one, which had Simon Pegg as one of the voices, I thought was especially good, and I loved the first Ice Age. So I think, like, they took that kind of an idea and ran with it. I know The Land Before Time was more of a very, you know, the first one is a very emotional film, actually, you know, and it's it's mm-hmm. very moving at times and very sweet and very cute. But these sequels, like, I swear, they're just babysitting fodder. You know, you yeah, just put it absolutely. on, so your kids have something to watch while you're like going outside for some smokes. I'm not a parent, obviously. Yeah, but like, you know, <laughs> that's that's what they're for. There, there's no other reason for there to be a nine or ten or however many of these Land of War Time movies there are. Okay,
0: you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna blow my proverbial wad before this thing's even over because you bring up babysitting fodder. Is there any worse or more egregious use of this than the Disney direct-to-video sequels? Mm. I mean, there's too many that have had at least three. I mean, do we really need Cinderella three?
1: Or, you know, the, the third Lilo and Stitch movie, or, you know. Oh. <laughs> the Little Mermaid 2 and The Lion King 2. You know, what an insult to the legacy of these films. These yes. these these movies that took, in some cases, years to get made. Years of, like, literally guys sitting down and hand-drawing each individual cell and frame. And you've got these movies that, what, may, might take, like, what, a few months to, to churn out, and they're uninspired, they're clearly cash grabs, and they're just so awful. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, you know, I've only got, like, three left now that I've. You've done that. So
1: I'm going to let you... you you got more lists than I do. Okay, well, I'll, I'll go for a few here. You know, and, I, and again, I don't want to just shoot fish in a barrel because some of these movies, like I do respect the talent involved and I do like the actors. and you know, Some of these actually could be perceived as guilty pleasures. But not this one, for example, the Fokker movies. The Fokker movies. I thought Meet the Parents was fine as it was. Not a great movie, not a comedy classic like everybody said it was, but it was funny. It worked. And you know what? It was a comedy with Robert De Niro that was actually really funny, and he was really funny in it. You can't say that about a lot of other films subsequently. Well, you mean the God Fokker isn't a funny joke? Oh my gosh. Like, Meet the Fockers was desperate. I don't understand at all the appeal to, of that movie. I really don't. I, I didn't think it was that good. I thought Robert Streisand and Dustin Hoffman were wasted. I, I think I laughed like once or twice, but just really obvious, obvious plot really desperate and little fuckers I mean it's just like it's got to the point where it's almost like one of those Cannonball Run movies it's just an example it's just an excuse for all these guys to get back together have fun have a few you know uh, scenes for the outtake reel but like there's no movie people would rather watch the outtake reel absolutely yeah yeah uh big mama's house you know i gotta say like i'm one of the people who would defend big mama's house because you know it was it was stupid and predictable and seen it before but it worked and i thought paul giamatti was really funny as paul as as martin lawrence's assistant um his sidekick rather i thought that movie you know even though not a great movie but it worked it worked for what it was i did have the misfortune of seeing big mama's house too which was dreadful 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 awful embarrassingly bad and then the sequel which i have not seen even though it does star brandy t jackson who we know is funny um, but I think Martin Lawrence does need to move on. You I think? Really do because he he actually does have talent. I mean, look at the movie Life. Look at his work in like in the first House Party movie. He really he's a very good, skilled comic actor. He really is. Um, but this is this is just no, no. Yeah, milking the cow so there's nothing left. Yeah, let's see.
0: I, I, okay, I'll get the other one that I'm sure we're going to disagree on, but I'd say the Star Wars prequels, frankly.
1: Oh, you went with the Star Wars prequels. We've talked
0: about it in depth. I don't <laughs> think we need to rehash a
1: whole heck of a lot of it, but I don't think it really brought a whole heck of a lot
0: to the Star Wars mythos.
1: I think it did, but I think it brought stuff that n- not everybody's happy about. I think it brought stuff to the series. I think it brought stuff to the Star Wars universe that people will continue to argue and debate and say that has no place being in there, like Mediclorians. For example, which is which is a terrible, terrible. Jar Jar Binks, Jar Jar Binks, whiny little Vader, Jake whiny grown up Wade. Jake
0: Lloyd in general. Yeah, Jake Lloyd, not a fan. And and, and whiny grown up Vader. And <laughs> okay, I, yeah. There, there's just not much to actually like there. You know, those movies, but those are well made. Frogger things, Yoda,
1: you know, I, they're well made <laughs> movies though. Like some of these movies, like we can't even get behind them in terms of being well made. I mean, I think those are really expertly made movies, especially the last one.
0: Well, if you love CG, sure, yeah, it's it's, it's really well done. But if yeah, if if you don't like that that the stories in service to making the CG work, then I. It, Okay. Well, I, I look I, at them as a glorified tech demo than more than anything else.
1: I will stand by the last one. I really do like episode three, and you know what the the, ep, uh, the Phantom Menace, the pod race, and the lightsaber battle at the end, I think are great action sequences. Like I said, tech demo. So yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck? I mean, you know, like what we get to stand behind the Fast and the Furious movies as like great example of drama and acting and characterization. No, you watch those movies for the action sequences, and I think in, the, in that way those movies work. Don't you think?
0: I to be fair, I've only seen Tokyo Drift and Fast Five.
1: You've only seen Tokyo Drift and oh shoot, you haven't seen the first one? Nope, nope. I you know ah. I keep thinking about it, but then you know I have to like go as my DVD. collection The first or one's good, and the fourth one, Fast and Furious, was really good.
0: Are they on watch instantly?
1: I have no idea. Uh, Fast, the Fast and the Furious was for a while, but I think they they pulled it down because they knew that you know they they need to pull it down so the DVD and Blu-ray sales can take off once Fast Five opens up which I'm sure has been the case okay All right. what what else have you got sir what else Uh, Dr. Doolittle Um, I love, uh, I don't want to say love, that's overstating it, but let me put it this way, as a kid, I really, really, really liked the Rex Harrison original musical, which for some strange reason was up for Best Picture, which I don't understand now, but you know, for what it was, even though it's not a great film, um, it works, and it's, it's a fine children's fantasy, and Rex Harrison is very charming, when Eddie Murphy did the remakes, I thought that was, for one thing, not only a big mistake, but just an excuse for more poop jokes than you possibly need for one movie. Um, and the sequel was also completely useless. And then the third one, which went straight to DVD, and which it was all about Doctor Doolittle's daughter. This is beyond desperate because Murphy. You know, this is. I mean, this is a career that deserves its own episode to be discussed. I mean, Murphy, like. You know, I respect the fact that he wanted to do more children's films to do more movies that his kids could watch. I understand that. I respect it. That's fine. Um, but not all of his children's films are good. In fact, a lot of them are really bad. And I think the Doctor Do Little movies are especially mediocre. Um, just a really, really uninspired, useless, useless trilogy of films. There. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, that they're not on Watch Instantly. But I just like to take a moment and
0: say, hey, Netflix, that new that new uh, format you've got for the the Watch Instantly stuff sucks. Okay. The better. format's no good. Look at this. You know, how it used to have the title underneath here. Right. It used to have the star rating. Yeah, and you could just be able to click a, click on a window. Now it's just a, pictures. Click on and now you, you you have to get over here far enough for it to start scrolling, and ever so very slowly. It and takes up more space it. too. And here's the best. It would be better. Yeah, and and then you have to go down here to try to add it. Where there's a, there was an add button right here. I just I don't like the new format. It looks like crap. Mm. So yeah. Okay, it's I feel better.
1: Now. Uh, children of the Corn they started with one bad stephen king movie one bad stephen king adaptation i should say because he didn't have anything to do with the film and there currently are six children of the corn movies and uh... i'll be completely honest i've not seen all of these though it will be my goal this summer to see everyone i've actually made that my goal because uh... episodes four five and six which are on netflix instant watch they do feature in their film debuts naomi watts Ava mendez and there's one other big actor who's in these movies um, yeah, so there's there's a lot of raw talent there. They do look like interesting films. There's one called Urban Harvest where one of the Children of the Corn gets adopted, and the parents bring him into like modern day suburbia, and like the kid like you know starts to raise havoc like while living in suburbia, which I thought was an interesting idea. Children of the Corn Two, the f- which ironically was called the Final Chapter, <laughs> uh, Children of the Corn Two, <laughs> believe it or not, it has a lot of state of the art CGI or what was state of the art back in 1991. Apparently a lot of like effects like the Lawnmower Man. So I've always wanted to see the second one. And the last one stars John Franklin, who, of course, starred in the first one. So I will give the Children of the Corn series a shot, although i got to say from what I've seen of the series thus far, pretty bad. Not so much, huh? Pretty bad, pretty bad. Fair enough. Um, and then kind of another, another really easy one, but at least it began well look who's talking the original Luke who's talking you know what not uh, one of the great comedies of all time but like a real but a pleasant a, film a charming comeback film Absolutely. for for john travolta he was fine in it uh Kirstie alley her best work i would say uh, george siegel very funny and you know what? bruce willis even though it was nothing more than a gimmick his involvement in the movie he was very funny he was that movie is cheesy but it's it still works it's got a great soundtrack the sequel which came out the following year which is never good when they rush a sequel um into theaters. you this, mean like iron man 2 like Iron Man 2, although Iron Man 2 is Citizen Kane next to Look Who's Talking Oh, oh, where the other baby was voiced by Roseanne Barr. They had another baby voiced by Damon Wayans and a toilet, a toilet voiced by Mel Brooks. I've seen this. It's dreadful, 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 awful, disgustingly bad. So bad. It, it ends with this climax where the apartment is on fire and the kids, are, the little babies are stuck in this roaring fire and it's supposed to be like, I mean... <laughs> This is awful. It's terrible. And there's a, a pee-pee in the potty dance sequence because they're so happy when little Mikey finally actually uses the bathroom. I just this is one of the worst, worst of sequels. And then, you know, they did the, the film after that, which is slightly better, which isn't saying much, where this time it's the animals who are talking, and voiced by Dana DeVito and Diane Keaton, Look Who's Talking Now, which is the film that, that John Travolta did right before Pulp Fiction. So this is like seeing like how low he could fall before he climbed all the way back up to the top and became one of our biggest movie stars again and we
0: need to mention that the, for our criteria for this is there have to be at least three movies in at the, least in three. the series so
1: speed speed 2 cruise control won't be involved here you know i like speed 2 cruise control i cannot get behind however Miscongeniality congeniality 2 armed and fabulous which i thought was one of the worst films of its year fair enough so. fair enough
0: um i will throw out you know i i went to star wars i'm gonna throw out the matrix too because this is one i think it bears mentioning but i don't think we need to do a full episode about it Um, the first movie I I thought was phenomenal I think it brought a lot if you wanted to look for it it brought up a lot of philosophical questions it brought up a lot of stuff that that, it was more than just an action movie and then the Matrix Reloaded happened and we realized that the the, the Wachowskis had no clue what they were doing after that first movie as much as they say no we meant for it to be a third a, a trilogy no
1: there's no way I think Neo flying at the end of the first Matrix was a gag. It was a really cool visual to end the movie. We didn't need two movies of counter Reeves flying around like Superman. We really didn't. And it just shows that, you know, just one of these things like, well, be yeah. careful what you want. Be careful what you ask for, fanboys, because we clearly, you know, the idea of the Matrix sequels was so much better than the actual Matrix sequels.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, it's kind of like you were saying with Star Wars. I mean, there's things to like, especially about Matrix Reloaded. I think the burly brawl has kind of aged, not so gracefully, but that freeway car chase was amazing. I think it still holds up. Sure. But the movie's bad.
1: Yeah. And likewise, there are a number of sequences in The Matrix Revolutions. Is that what it yeah. was called? Yeah. yeah. There's a number of scenes in it that I really, really like a lot, just in terms of their visceral quality and how well they're staged, and, you know, and some, some moments that are very nice. But, uh, not a great movie I think the the biggest downfall of these films
0: was that they were trying to live up to the philosophical hype that the first one built whereas you know it, they very it's very entirely possible they had all three flam- films planned out and they're like oh no we need to make this more philosophical and put mumbo jumbo in there whereas the first movie treated you like a big boy the second, the second two movies just treated like crap. I've read some mentally. really
1: brilliant, as I'm sure you have, some really brilliant articles about uh, all the philosophical and religious and existential humanistic qualities of the Matrix. Just like how the film is like a combo. Like I remember, like I think it was Time Magazine said it's like Batman meets the Bible, you know, and and you know that brought up some really interesting qualities for the first Matrix. But you're right with the sequel, I felt like. Gosh, you had some you had some young in there, you had some some Nietzsche, you had like I mean there's so much there's too much going on there, and there's so many scenes that were so head scratching. Stupid architect. Yeah well scene at least was interesting but uh I mean like, it
0: it was interesting when Will Ferrell was in the spoof
1: (laughs) I liked um no I didn't actually like I I, I was thinking of the scene where Monica Bellucci seduces Keanu Reeves in the bathroom and like there was supposed to be in one of the least (laughs) sexy scenes in film history which is really bizarre when it's those two and it's not sexy but yeah yeah like like there's it was one of the many scenes in the movie that was supposed to have all this 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 meaning behind it and it's just and and like the thing is, you don't even care to do the research. You don't even care to wonder like, what what is this based on? Because it was just so muddled and uninteresting.
0: Well, and 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 this is one of those things where it was it's the, it's the same correlation as Star Wars. I saw a Star Wars one four times trying to like it. The second one I saw on DVD, and the third one I saw in a bootleg my boss gave me. In with the Matrix, I saw the Matrix four times in the theater, but I loved it every single time. Sure. Matrix Reloaded I saw once on opening morning. I saw the second screening because while the theater opened and everyone was going one way, me and like three other people went the other direction to the other theater and got the prime seats. And that was it. And Matrix Revolutions I saw, I want to say two or three years after it came out on DVD. I was on my buddy's floor in his house and I'm like, hey, can I borrow this? I've always wondered how crappy it is. He's like, sure. And I fast forwarded through probably at least a third of the movie because I was was so bored. So yeah, (sighs) stupid Matrix.
1: All right, go ahead, sir. What else do you got? (laughs) Um, well, just, you know, more fish in the barrel, but like, you know, we don't need uh, five Silent Night Deadly Night movies or six Howling movies. Um, I will say this about or, Silent Night Deadly Night. Or, or Did... eight Leprechaun movies? Oh, my gosh. I, I've only seen, let's see, for Leprechaun, I've seen Leprechaun on the Hood, and I think I've seen the second one. That's it. Yeah. But for Silent Night Deadly Night, I have seen the original because it was a very famous movie. The PTA actually banned this film because, you know, 1984, it was very shocking to have. A, TV commercials on, you know, showing Santa Claus slaughtering people. Um, so it was this very famous band movie. Uh, became a huge sensation on video cassette. So they made all these sequels uh, leading up to the fifth one called Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, The Toymaker, starring none other than Mickey Rooney. <laughs> but probably the most famous aspect about these movies, just to kind of give you an idea of how desperate they are, the second Silent Night, Deadly Night, more than 80% of the movie is made up of flashbacks from the first movie. Oh. What a ripoff. Oh yeah! Awful, 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 awful. Um, and then to go back with another one, kind of like Luke who's talking, where the first one, you know, even though it's not a classic comedy of of any kind, but it's certainly a very good, solid comedy. Is Rush Hour? I thought the first Rush Hour yes. was really great, really I, yes, funny. I thought absolutely. Chris Tucker was in very good form. Uh, Jackie Chan had, you know, even though it's not up to his Chinese films, it, he definitely had some really dazzling moments of physical comedy and action. Um, I'm not a fan of the sequel at all. I don't like the sequel. Um, one I of the- love Don Cheadle in the sequel, though. I barely remember him being in that movie, but you're right. He was in the sequel. Uh, what I remember most about the sequel is, is uh, Zhang Ziyi, how mm-hmm. awful that was of how you know she gave okay. this stirring performance stirring performance in Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon of course America takes her puts her in a rush hour sequel as the stereotypical Chinese big gangster and they give her nothing nothing interesting to do I'm worried mm-hmm. that the same thing just happened with Noomi Rapace who's you know yeah. girl with the dragon yeah. tattoo now she's in Sherlock Holmes too I'm really worried about that but anyway I just thought the second one was completely and utterly uninspired and in all honesty I didn't even see the third one
0: I didn't either uh, the second one I mean, I, there's no question the second one's a step down from the first one But, I mean, Jeremy Piven in his cameo was pretty stinking funny as the... uh, Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it was stereotypical.
0: It was, but it It was was funny, I thought. Um, There's still some form of chemistry. I mean, you could tell the ship was sailing.
1: Yes, or sinking.
0: Yeah, and the third one I had no desire, Yeah. I still. The only thing I remember about Rush Hour 3 was standing in line for Stardust and people trying to make fun of us as they were walking to Rush Hour 3. I'm like, in two hours, I guarantee I'm going to be ahead in life.
1: Making fun of you for seeing Stardust? That's ridiculous.
0: It's that stupid Stardust
1: movie. You know, I'm like... That's like yeah. a badge of honor to say you actually saw that in the theater. That thing is such a cold film now. I don't oh, yeah. know. I, other than you, I don't know anybody who saw that
0: thing when it was in the theaters. Oh, we went opening weekend because I wasn't getting a chance missing it. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, all right, I've got two left. Okay, uh, go ahead. let's see. You know, I, I'm gonna go home alone. Why not? Excellent choice. Uh, we've we've been there down this road too. The second one was a shadow of the first one, and the third mm. one
1: got a new kid, even didn't it? Yes, Alex Linz. Yeah, Alex Linz. I'm trying to think what else he's done, but yeah.
0: <laughs> I remember I was done after the second one. I was.
1: Uh, I yeah. think wait, no, what was he in? Oh shoot, I can't think what he Yeah, but but uh, that boy was like he was like the next big thing for like a while, and then he just kind of fell off the face of the earth. And he was in something recently too. That's what's weird. He popped up in something. Hmm, okay. Well, I'm, I'm looking them up real quick. Okay. But yeah, they're, they're, I, I th-
0: still wish they would have done the sequel idea.
1: Oh, I think that's a great idea. Well, you know, like, um, oh, whatchamacallit, like, I think that that's another one, like, look who's talking, or, or, or at least in, with Home Alone, I mean, I do think that is something of a classic. I do watch it every December. I think it's a fine film. And the sequel, though, I thought was really, really desperate, the second one especially. Yeah. Just a total rehash of the first one, just bigger, bigger jokes, bigger, bigger everything. And I just, you know, bigger is not necessarily better. No, not at all. All right, I'm almost there. Okay, I've I've, I've got him, I've got his page coming up. It's worth noting while well, I'll stall while you look it up. It's worth noting that uh, John Hughes wrote the third one as well as the second one. So, but this was a period where like Hughes did Home Alone, and then he also wrote Dennis the Menace, and he also wrote 101 Dalmatians, and they all have scenes in them that are just like Home Alone—scenes of kids like outsmarting these burglars or these bad guys who are falling face-first into mud and cement. Let's
0: see. He was young Tarzan. He was not Touched by an Angel. He was in Titan AE. Let's see, Max Keeble's big... He was Max Keeble. Max, Max Keeble, yes. There you go. That's right.
1: And and, and and he did something recently, though, didn't he? Or recenter?
0: Uh, the um, Amateurs, Choose Connor, Order Up, the uh, Jackie and Bobby, Exit 9. I, he was in Providence. Okay. Okay that's it okay yeah could have swore something else
1: but anyway yeah alex alex d lens or k lens yeah. d lens yeah. yeah the one thing i liked about home alone three is that playing his mother um haviland, haviland morris who of course is the redhead from from gremlins 2 that's all i need to say remember nice how, remember how lovely okay she was okay. yeah she's yeah. great as his mother she's so sweet and adorable best thing about home alone three hands down enough reason to see it or no Kind of. It's it's a, I like that it's a very different movie. In fact, I do like Home Alone 3, admittedly, a little bit better than the second one, just because it's so different. I mean, it opens up with this action-packed heist. It's these three burglars, um, and there's this microchip that somehow ends up on this little boy's teddy bear or his toy or something, and they have to break into the house and get it. But like, the, it's very forced, but like, it's a really different movie than the other two. And I, I think that's what I like about it, just because it really is not like Home Alone the first one all over okay. again. Cool. All right. Um, not good, though. Yeah, yeah. I've got one left. So, I'll let you, do you have
0: any many more left or?
1: uh not that many. No, no. Uh, re- briefly, like Porky's. I mean, you know, like. Well, I know. I know it was a huge hit in 1981. I think, and it's it's such a stupid film. I've never liked Porky's. So the fact that there's like two other Porky's, including Porky's Revenge, is just you know. And, and I love uh, Leonard Malton. I'm just gonna just all out uh quote him here i mean malton's great i mean he points out that in porky's revenge the third film even though it's high school there's a number of actors playing these high schoolers who clearly have visible hairlines so clearly <laughs> mm-hmm. it's total awful cash grab um i'm gonna leave police academy alone because i've my nostalgia for those movies are so intense And I love those movies so much when I was a kid that I I just can't bash them even though there's seven of them and the seventh one is especially terrible. Um, But no, no, no. I I do want to mention three that I think have at least... There are some classics involved with these movies, especially with the first entries, but I think they, they just went at least one or two movies too many. One is Jurassic Park. I think Mm -hmm. the original Jurassic Park really does live up to its hype. I think it really still is a great film, a great Spielberg film. I hate The Lost World. I think it's one of Spielberg's worst films. And I thought Jurassic Park 3 was completely empty and useless. Okay,
0: you bring up Jurassic Park 2. I I was having dinner with some of my old buddies at Chili's, and we were talking about awful movies, and this came up. Vince Vaughn's daughter is not just African-American. She's very African American. Oh, you mean uh,
1: Jeff Goldblum's daughter. Oh, Jeff, right? is it Jeff Goldblum's yeah, daughter? Jeff Goldblum's daughter. Okay. Yeah, but Vince Vaughn's in the movie, you're right. That's right. Okay,
0: yeah. Jeff Goldblum's daughter. Yeah. Um, you think he's just a little too gullible? I'm just saying. Are you sure she's mine? Yep. Okay, cool. Cause I, I, I'm
1: i not seeing that one happen. Yeah. I'm just saying. Well, you know, I think that was really forced, and as well as the fact that she's a gymnast, which, of course, is a skill that she ends up using <laughs> at a point in the movie, you too. You mean for the rafters watching for a minute? Wow, she's really got skills. Oh, crap, I got kicked out a window.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: <sighs> yeah. One of the many awful scenes in that film. I, I remember seeing it the weekend it opened up and being really disappointed, but it's one of these films that I've, I've watched once or twice since, and it, just, it never ceases. It just just really depressed me how bad it is. Yeah. Really depressing. I, mean, I didn't see the third Steven Spielberg one. has only done a couple of sequels, and it's worth noting that his sequels really aren't very good, and, and Lost World, I think, is just a really bad film. Um, the other two I wanted to mention, I love the original Karate Kid, and I'm a huge fan of The Karate Kid Part Two. That's my, it's one of my favorite sequels, frankly. I love The Karate Kid Part Two. Karate Kid Three, I thought, even though it's not a terrible movie, it's very desperate and very much recycling what had already been done. The next Karate Kid, I would say, is one of the <laughs> worst films ever made. I hate the next Karate Kid so much. It's a different director. I believe it's a different writer. Um, Pat Morita returned. Of course, Ralph Macchio did not. Neither did uh, Robert Mark Kamen. And then, of course, uh, the d- different director. Um, and then you no know, Ralph Macchio. daniel Sun gets mentioned in one toss-aside line, which I thought was so awful that they like. I mean, such a pivotal character in the series. And it's like, oh, yeah. Like daniel son once used to say, I'm like, no, what else did he do? And then you've got Bowling Monks. Bowling Monks on top of on top of all the other awful things about that movie and hillary swank bless her she's adorable and i think she's a great actress but i she cannot save that film and then finally robocop robocop the original robocop one of my favorite films i think it's the best film in 1987 i really do um robocop 2 which i hated and robocop 3 which i thought was kind of cool when i was younger um, I look at it now and kind of see what a what a ridiculous cheese fest that it is. I remember
0: the only reason I remember RoboCop three was because it was a day when we got a snow day here in Colorado Springs, and no one could figure out why because it was, it was so sunny. I went to work with my mom, and I walked to the mall like a mile and a half, and it was perfectly fine. And I remember that like everyone said, oh, future generations are going to be screwed on this. But yeah, I mean, it was as a dumb kid, it's a fun movie, but it's a toy c- commercial.
1: It really is. I mean, you've got the ninja, you've got the flying RoboCop, and you've got the little girl who somehow is a, like a computer genius who's able to unlock all the doors. And, I mean, it's it's PG-13. And I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that RoboCop has to be R-rated because the second RoboCop, which I, I really, really dislike more than the others, the second RoboCop is a hard R. And it's more violent than the first one, amazingly, and I don't think it's very good at all. It's because Frank Miller wrote it. I, I respect Miller. I, I just don't think that movie worked. And it yeah. was uh, Irvin Kershner, oddly enough, directed it. You know, the director of The Empire Strikes Back, which is huh. very strange yeah. that, yeah. you know, not only that he would do it, but that it was also such a such a middle-of-the-road film. Um, but yeah, I think Robocop, it's like the difference between the first one and the and the following two, are just it just shows that some movies you do not need a sequel to.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's my last one. We'll, we'll end it on this note, which is going to be a fairly depressing note, because everyone hates this series, and it spawned... A series of films that the movie movies that everyone forgets just how solid the first scary movie really was because hmm. I think it was a, a it was, I mean, it was gross and and it was crass, but yeah. it, there's also no doubt that it was funny. Yes, it was funny. I mean, the, the fact that you had Carmen Electra getting stabbed in, in the breast implant, I'm sorry, that was a funny sight gag,
1: and <laughs> you know, that offended a lot of people, but uh, no, you're right. I, I, See, think- I thought it was
0: the scene near the end. Where someone gets stuck on the ceiling, we'll just sure, say yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: No, I, that film constantly went too far, um, but I think that was one of the appeals of it. I think the Waynes brothers really did just kind of try to make something like very male Brooks, mm-hmm. very just like taking like bodily fluid jokes and just like and sex jokes and taking it as far as humanly possible. It's kind of like their History of the World Part One. I mean, it's just it's really excessive. But no, I agree with you. I think the timing was perfect. I mean, it was just uh, it was just let's see. It was just two years after Scary Movie Two. I'm um, not Scary Scream Movie. 2. Scream Two. Thank you. So, I mean, I think the correlation was just perfect. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it was it was people were ready to, to to laugh at Ghostface. People were ready to laugh at this this huge you know this new second coming of all these these slasher films.
0: Yeah, the thing that really struck me about the first film is yes, it's it's incredibly gross but it's so it's made with such a sure hand and they're so confident in themselves that they sell everything beautifully that they couldn't do again they should have just stopped there
1: yeah and then because of that we got epic movie eventually you're right i mean that's what's really depressing because i mean scary movie 2 for for starters is is awful because it's one of these movies that was really rushed they rushed to make it after the first one and there's a lot of jokes in it that are based off of commercials i mean the what's up joke is one thing but like there's a joke in scary movie 2 based on a nike basketball ad completely irrelevant like five minutes after the movie came out no one understands why that scene goes on so long today yeah there's so many moments in that movie that it's just like it's such a dated of its of its minute film, not even of its era or decade or month. Like it's like it was old, like five minutes after the movie came out. Yeah. So, and then uh, scary movie three and four. Like the third one, three was bad. I liked parts of three. I liked the the Michael Jackson joke with with Charlie Sheen. And, okay. uh, and the aliens I liked how they were a bunch of like party animals they were like frat boys and like uh, like when they make fun of the signs video like they're all like just kind of partying and getting drunk like there are parts of the third one I thought worked the fourth one I think was the one that I thought was really especially middle of the road which one had Cloris Leachman in it was it four I don't remember they all just kind of mix together because they're all they all just kind of suck basically and then yeah. but no, you're right I mean the worst thing about these movies is that uh, then we got date movie we got date movie which gave us let's see how many we got date movie epic movie meet the Spartans superhero uh, movie superhero movie um is that it or is there any more of these I awful don't things remember I think there's I was probably one more <laughs> it feels oh like this vampires one. suck thank you yeah jeez can you imagine? five five terrible movies yeah yeah. yeah. And it's like they're not really sequels, but they really are. They're all like, you know, all interconnected. They all exist because the other exists. Yeah. And they make sucker money after like, you know, two two weeks they're gone. Yep. Yep. So if, if you like Barry said,
0: if you think we've been a little too hard on one or we missed a couple, yeah, email us. I'm sure we missed more than a couple. Definitely. Oh, I'm sure we did too. Yeah. yeah. So remember at least three movies though. Because if we'd done two, I'd be going to Saturday the fourteenth like like immediately. <laughs> Um, yeah, but before we get to all the
1: contact info, uh, why do we talk about Titan theaters this coming week? This theater uh, this week in theaters, rather than, of course, it's going to be a little old by the time you hear this, and so we are taking a two week break. But well, no, uh, I'm going to have this posted up probably this afternoon. Oh, very good, very good. Well, you know, like like most comic book fans, I'm sure you're as curious as we are as to how Green Lantern is going to be. Of course, this is Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively and Peter Sarsgaard.
0: Oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I and heard,
1: then of course, uh, Mr. Popper's Penguins, adapted from the <laughs> beloved children's book, starring Jim Carrey and uh, Carly Gugino, in limited to release you have The Art of Getting By starring Freddie Highmore and Emma Roberts and that's about it.
0: Yep. Uh, you know,
1: I, told, I don't know how I spaced this.
0: I saw Green Lantern Emerald Nights this week. How was that? It was astonishingly good. Uh, interestingly enough this is yes it's in conjunction with the movie coming out but it's based more on the fact that they're assuming you've seen Green Lantern First Flight because yes Nathan Fillion is Green Lantern but this movie does not center on the character of Hal Jordan or really any human characters at all whatsoever. It's an anthology story about three or four of the other Green Lanterns, including the first Green Lantern ever and the biggest and most powerful Green Lantern ever. I'm not going to spoil that gag with Mogo, but it essentially becomes an anthology series about different Green Lanterns and how they became who they were, which acts as a great primer for the movie. So when you see them in the movie, you're like, oh, yeah, I know who that is. But it's very well done. I was so impressed with it. I mean, the last time we had an anthology story was Batman Gotham Knights, which was crap entirely through and through I think there's one bit that was pretty interesting but beyond that the rest of the movie was a complete waste of time and I'll never own it this was incredibly solid though I was very surprised and okay. it keeps the, the 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 intergalactic scope
1: properly and it, it's just so good it's well worth watching yeah for sure. So, We're good. We're good. And I, can't, I, can't, I don't know how I forgot this. Jules and I have been watching Flight of the Concourse. We are addicted. <laughs> great show. <laughs> great freaking show. We're total, total addicts now. Yes, yes.
0: Um, all right, so well, I, I love the girl who's like their groupie and will do anything, and the boyfriend just goes I along for the ride. I love that.
1: Love it. She always has T-shirts with their faces on it. Oh, it's yeah. great. Yeah. All right, <laughs> and then uh, home video next week. Next week, you got Rocco's Modern Life Season 1. The Nicktoons Classic. So is this like around the same time as, let's see, what was... Like Ren and Stimpy and stuff like that, yeah. Oh, very good, very good. yeah Uh, Kiss Me Deadly on Criterion, classic film noir, can't beat that. Louis, season one, which uh, Dave had explained to me, not Louis Anderson, Louis C.K. Yes. So... Uh, I've so, heard good and bad, but you know a lot of people love it. So. Okay. A uh, film I actually saw it last year's. Wow, I can't believe it's been a year. Last year's Maui Film Festival, um, and now it's going to be on DVD. Happy Thank You More, Please. This is the writer, director, uh, being Josh Radner, of course, the star of How I Met Your Mother. Uh, the film also stars Mullen Ackerman in a startling, stunning, dramatic performance. Melan Ackerman is excellent in this Especially film. after Watchmen. Yes, it's quite the quite the change of pace. Yeah, she's great in the film. The movie is very good. It's called Happy Thank You More. Please check it out. Um, a movie that Dave and I saw, I think, two or three years ago. It was two the, years ago. Gosh, at the at the Denver Film Festival. I can't believe it took this long to come on DVD because it's so good. It's Spine Tingler, the William Castle story. This is a definitive documentary about William Castle. Of course, the guy whose life inspired the movie Matt He did the original House on Haunted Hill as well as uh, the original Thirteen Ghosts. This the is fact is that there's actually film. a rival. There was a rivalry between him and Hitchcock. That's the most fascinating it's part. Pretty of Pretty. Amazing, yeah it's a a great documentary please check it out if you're a movie buff this is a must also being released um, early this year you know this is a movie that I I can't get all crazy about but I think it is a good movie for what it is and that's The Adjustment Bureau um, starring Emily Blunt and crap I was not ready for that Dang it. And Matt Damien. How did I man That's okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. Well, it also stars Anthony Mackey. It's a very good film. It's based on a Philip K. Dick story. It's uh I think it's a very provocative, very um, very um, it's it's a thinking person's date movie, put it that way. But it but don't expect an action movie, don't expect Jason Bourne. It's very good, but it's a very low-key film. It's a small film, but I I do like the film. Uh Cedar Rapids, one of my favorite films of the year, starring Ed Helms. Um, kind of shows you the kind of year that it's been when this is honestly on my top 10 at the moment. Uh, Cedar Rapids, a very charming film about a man who goes on a business trip and basically completely lets loose. He's outside of his comfort zone in his bubble and completely uh, goes on a crazy, crazy weekend. Very funny movie, great character comedy. Diary of a Wimpy Kid 2, Roderick Rules, which I did not see. Um, I'm a huge fan of the book. Uh, I did not like the original, uh, the original, the, 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 the initial Diary of a Wimpy Kid movie. No desire to see the sequel fair enough so but I, I just might I don't know um, The Eagle also known as The Turkey this is the film that was in theaters for about five minutes and it started Channing Tatum um, if it's a Channing Tatum action movie or love story you know what you're in for yeah, uh, what
0: I love is there's a blurb on Amazon's page for this movie. It's like, you know, epic movies may be gone, but this film makes a strong case for them to come back.
1: I'm likes. like, are you out of your mind? Out of your mind, my You gosh. do realize Channing Tatum's in this, right? Channing Tatum. He's in 21 Jump Street, and maybe comedy is his thing. You know, I I got to admit, like, seeing him and Jonah Hill, maybe maybe that'll be funny, maybe that'll work. Wow, so Jonah Hill's going to be the Peter Delouise. I think so, yeah, oh, I okay. think so. So, yeah, I, I got to say, like, maybe comedy is his thing. But uh, my gosh, yeah. drama, romance, action, sci fi. No, not his thing. Unknown, uh, not taken to, although it felt like taken to. Unknown starring Liam Neeson and January Jones. Um, Could she act in that movie? No. Okay. No, she's not good in that film either. Unknown is very good at times. It's good. It's not great. It's definitely not as good as Taken. It's not as sleazy as Taken, but it's not as memorable or, or as entertaining as Taken. But it, i got to say, a very imaginative story. It's not bad. It's not bad for what it is. And then finally, our crap title of the week. Um, <laughs> I Dave found was very proud of, of scooping this one out. My gosh. Uh, Mega Python versus Gatoroid. this stars Tiffany and Debbie Gibson together. At it last. also doubles
0: as Tiffany as, as Debbie Gibson versus
1: Tiffany apparently so <laughs> and no question I mean I, I have not seen the film but I have seen some stills and apparently they have an all-out cat fight um, and Dave was saying there's more than one so uh, yeah yeah so if you ever wanted to see Tiffany and Deborah Gibson, Debbie Gibson claw each other's eyes out this is your film. There you go
0: there you go oh, Wow. Wow, okay let's just end this there because dang <laughs> uh, if you want to sh- if you want to shoot us an email, email by all means do give us a call I would get shoot us an email at podcast Barry daver Ethan all at screengeeks.com uh, we'd love to hear from you we're gonna end up actually taking the next two weeks off uh next week is gonna be Father's Day and I'm taking my dad out my mom and dad out to see Green Lantern and go to lunch and stuff and it should be Very fun nice. And then the week after that, I'm actually going to be going to the Albuquerque Comic Expo. That's the first ever. And it looks like it's going to be a blast. I'm actually going to be working a a gigantic movie poster booth there. So if you're in Albuquerque and going, come say hi. I'm C. Dave. Uh, After that, we will be back. I think we're looking tentatively at being back July 3rd to uh, do our super cool episode that's just going to be totally us being self-indulgent, but fun. Yay, self-indulgent. Indeed. And Ethan should be back by then. Hopefully he'll have seen a Super 8 by then. I don't know. Maybe the line finally died down. But until that, wow, two weeks, three weeks away. I'm, See you later, fans. Yeah, it's, it's on purpose this time, though. So, uh, <laughs> And, you know, it helps to actually play the right music. You know, my bad. Oh, Lord, I need a break. This is Dave. This is Barry. Take it easy.
1: Oh, hi, Mark.